you know. Got the pear trees faking like a dogwood. The thunderstorms in the springtime, it's all good. And rappers killing it in the club, but can we brag now? Not black lives just had to die to get a flag down. And my rap has helped the map of Southside Atlanta. Was just to sell my 50 years march in Alabama. Was just to Columbus, Ohio, teaching little kids. South by Southwest and Austin, teaching sampling. That gynecologists are doing. Welcome to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network where knowledge is power. Today is Tuesday, January 10th, 2016, 2017. Tuesday, January 10th, 2017. And we are live today. We have a lot to talk about, a lot going on in the news. Uh, I was on the air live yesterday but was not on Facebook Live. I was banned from Facebook for three days. There's something going on. Uh, but we're back. We're live today. So we have a lot to talk about. Okay. We know that the, um, confirmation hearings for Senator Jeff Sessions are going on right now. Okay. How's everybody doing watching on Facebook? Okay. We're about to post information for today's show. You don't want to miss the day's show. Uh, confirmation hearings for Senator Jeff Sessions to be attorney general are going on right now. They've been going on for about five hours. They took a break. I was watching a lot of it today. Um, and you had a lot of protests going on. You had, uh, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of Senator Jeff Sessions past is uh, coming up as well. Past allegations of uh, racism, racial bias, etc. So uh, th- we're going to talk some about that uh, today. They talked about it this morning on News One Now with uh, with Roland Martin also. And you have uh, the NAACP and Reverend William Barber. You know, they've come out against Senator Jeff Sessions. They say he's not fit to be attorney general. And then you had a group of uh, African-American pastors uh, who said he is fit to be uh, uh, attorney general. Okay. They talked about it this morning on News One Now with Roland Martin. I'd like to know what um, criteria they're looking at uh, for Jeff Sessions to be, for Jeff Sessions to be uh, qualified to be attorney general. Because for my research of him, he's not. Okay, and and we're going to talk about that some today as well, because a lot of people who smoke marijuana, they don't understand how detrimental uh, Senator Jeff Sessions uh, will be uh, for them also. Okay, for for marijuana smokers. All right. So um, now we I think we have some problems with the Internet here. Let me uh, check something. Okay, so so we'll talk about that. And then also the movie Hidden Figures. The movie Hidden Figures uh, is the number one movie uh, for this uh, this past weekend. Okay, it's in the number one spot spot and knocked out uh, uh, the movie Rogue out of uh, the number one spot. Okay, and the movie Hidden Figures stars uh, Octavia Sp- stars Taraji P Henson, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Monae. And it's about uh, African-American women who were mathematicians, some engineers also. Uh, but these were the unsung heroes working at NASA. They were behind the first, uh, putting the first man on the moon, uh, etc. Okay, so we're going to talk some about that today as well. All right, the movie uh, Hidden Figures. Now, we know the Golden Globes uh, just took place on Sunday. And you had some um, people who, some African-Americans who wanted the Golden Globes. You know, Viola Davis for the movie Fences, not to be confused with Hidden Fences. We'll talk about that also. 
because uh, <laughs> there was a problem. Uh, you had uh, some people who could, white people, uh, some white people, a few of them, they confused, um, the, they combined the movies uh, Hidden Figures and the movie Fences and came up with Hidden Fences. So this was a hashtag that was trending at one point on social media. We talked about this yesterday on the show, so you can go and listen to the podcast. Okay, why the hell did this time out? Okay, give me a minute here. We're having technical difficulties connecting to the network. Um, so you had um, this take place with uh, Hidden Fences, okay? Um, and we know Jenna Bush was one of the reporters for the Golden Globes. She's come out and apologized for it, for the mistake. But uh, people on social media had some fun with that. Uh, we're going to talk about that some also because there was an article from the root dot, from not the root dot com, the real network, the real network dot net uh, dealing with um, dealing with the confusion with um, hidden uh, fences. OK, so we'll talk about that also. All right. So so we'll deal with that. We'll talk about Senator Jeff Sessions. I have a lot of information on that. You know, we've been talking about this before, and, we, and, we, and we've been talking about how elections have consequences. Well, this is an example of it. This, this is an example how elections have consequences because there's nothing to, the Democrats can fight it, but they're in the, they're in the minority in the Senate, and uh, he's going to most likely be confirmed, okay, unless you have more senators who come over. It's... Uh, uh, 6148, sorry, 5148, uh, Republican domination in the Senate, in the U.S. Senate. Okay. So these are Senate confirmation hearings. This is not, um, House of Representatives. These are Senate confirmation hearings. Okay. So we have that going on. And then also, uh, uh, Baltimore State's, uh, attorney, Marilyn Mosby, Marilyn Mosby, she, uh, the, um, defamation lawsuit against her, it was ruled it can proceed. It was ruled by a um, Baltimore, uh, a federal district judge, I should say, on Friday, January 6th, uh, ruled that the uh, lawsuit against her can proceed. Now, this lawsuit is brought by five of the six Baltimore police officers who were charged in the death of Freddie Gray. You know, and I haven't seen something like this. I, I don't know if I've heard of something like this before, but this is crazy. OK, they're trying to crucify uh, Marilyn Mosby. OK, so we, we're going to talk about that today. And then also um, in Kentucky. Now, we've talked about here on the show and you got to bear with me. I'm trying to do the work of a couple people uh, well, three people. And uh, for some reason, we're not able to connect to. Uh, the network I was on the air on tunein.com uh, and something happened and I can't connect so I'm trying to figure this out also so just bear with me um, you have um, in Kentucky so in Kentucky the with the election that just took place November 8th right we know that um, the state legislature went Republican. They have the first Republican dominated state legislature in about 100 years. OK. Um, and then also a Republican mayor came into office. I mean, sorry, a Republican governor came into office also behind the 
uh, November 8th election. So now Republicans control the state House of Representatives and they control the governorship in Kentucky also, right? So one of the first things that they did in Kentucky with this new uh, Republican-dominated, uh, they, they, they control the, US, the House of Representatives and the state Senate and the governorship. So what was the, one of the first things they did? What was one of the first pieces of legislation they passed? Right-to-work laws. This just went down in Kentucky, okay? There's an article from yesterday from Think Progress About Org. We're going to talk about this because, see, people have to stop voting against their own interests. And unfortunately, what happens is you have a lot of white people who have been lied to. You have a lot of white people who have been lied to. And they've been lied to by Republicans. They've been lied to by some Democrats, but especially this comes to being lied to by Republicans. To then vote against their own interests. The, to, to, to take stances against Obamacare. Vote against their own interests. And then Republicans systematically what they do when they get control of all three branches of, of government and the state, they pass right to work laws, which systematically drive down wages across the board and attack unions. OK, and people are screwed they, they, and people have to stop voting against their own interests. All right. OK, so we're going to talk about that today. Try to get it to some other things. You got to give me give me a minute here. I have to reset the Internet here. We're on break anyway. They can't. First of all, they can't hear me. With, they can't hear me, period, because we're disconnected from the network. Um, and I'm glad I'm running. And today what I decided to do, what I did was on my on my phone for my my, my smartphone. What I did was I upgraded the plan to an unlimited data plan. So I'm running off the data off the phone as opposed to the Wi-Fi here in the studio because if I was running off the Wi-Fi in the studio you wouldn't even be able to see me right now okay so I did that and went and upgraded that so I think I think that's going to work better okay all right um, I'm doing a presentation coming up this Saturday January 14th 2017 at the Jungle Juice Bar here's some information about that it's in Gross Point Park Michigan hey, family this is Mike Limhotep host of the African History Network show on 910 a.m. the Superstation we just got finished doing my uh, January 8th show 2017 the first show of the year I'm on Sundays 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time 910 a.m. the Superstation uh, in Detroit I'm also on the uh, Michael Limhotep show on the Apartment Radio Network Monday through Friday 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as well hey I want to let you know coming up Saturday January 14th 2017 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the Jungle Juice Bar located at 149-249 Charlevoix Street in uh, Gross Prank Park, Michigan. I'm doing a double presentation. Uh, the first presentation will be uh, The Distortion of the Legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The Revolutionary will not be televised. The Revolutionary will not be televised. Uh, we know Dr. King Day is coming up Monday, January 16th. So this is a presentation. Uh, dealing with the revolutionary Dr. King, the Dr. King that talked about uh, economic empowerment for African Americans, the Dr. King who was against the uh, war in Vietnam, the Dr. King who supported the Black Power movement as well. Okay, and we and we were all familiar with the song "The Revolution Will Not Be Televised" by Gil Scott Heron. This deals with the revolutionary will not be televised because the revolutionary Dr. King is not shown to us on the television. 
uh, every Dr. King day when they show us the last two minutes of the I Have a Dream speech or the last two minutes of I've Been to the Mountaintop. And then my second presentation will be Malcolm X 50 Years Later, Why Is He Still Relevant? Malcolm X 50 Years Later, Why Is, why is He Still Relevant? We know the anniversary of Malcolm's assassination is coming up February 21st, 19, uh, you know, February 21st also. Okay. So, Jungle Juice Bar, Saturday, January 14th, 2017, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Free event, donations accepted. Uh... 14929 Charlevoix Street, Grosse Point Park, Michigan, right across the street from Detroit. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, for more information, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Also, um, call us, 313-462-0003, 313-462-0003. Uh, as well, if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, email me at info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Remember, right now is correct wrong behavior. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. All right. So be sure to come out to the Jungle Juice Bar this Saturday. We're going to get the uh, – um, we have it already on our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. The flyers here. I'm going to post the video. The video is on YouTube. Uh, you can get to our YouTube – get to our YouTube channel. Just go to uh, our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Click on the um, – click on the um, – uh, YouTube banner there, uh, right on the uh, homepage of the website. Okay, and uh, definitely come on out free event uh, this Saturday, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. And I'll do a presentation on Dr. King and one on Malcolm X as well. All right, so shout out. Let's see. Let's get some. Uh, let's go to uh, Facebook. And I'm still. I'm. I'm waiting for the internet to connect here, but we're just gonna. I'm gonna go ahead as much as I can because I think I'm not sure if. Uh, we're not on TuneIn right now because I can't connect, but I think I can um, go ahead and play the clip uh, that's online right now that I want to play from uh, this morning, News One Now with Roland Martin. So just give me a minute here because this is pissing me off. This was, uh, I had everything laid out and then this happens. Okay, so on Facebook we have, but I'm podcasting right now. We're podcasting the show. So, um, you know, you can listen to all the podcasts. Go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com right on the homepage. Click on the link. Listen to podcasts in the Michael M. Hotep show. Okay, so you'll be able to listen to the podcast of this show uh, in, later later tonight. Okay, so Denise Davis Williams said, hi, Colorado listening. Okay, good. Um, and once I can get, once the internet comes back up, I can post the description of the day's show. Okay, we have Michael Woods, Knowledge is Power, Daylon Brown, uh, Vanessa Brower, Blessings to All, okay, Gary Mansa, uh, Dessalines, Jackson, uh, Johnson, Jackson, Houston checking in, all right. Oh, let me, uh, uh first of all, okay, let's see, what was last week? Um, Thanks for everybody who who checked in uh, to the um, African History Network show this past Sunday. Uh, we're going to get the podcast of that up. That's my Sunday show on 19 a.m. The Superstation. Also, want to let you know that um, uh, my, the DVD presentations I did in December, the lectures I did in December, they're available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice, and the History of Christmas, and in um, uh, Glock we trust. Uh, the ballot and the bullet, how African people fought against oppression with uh, uh, armed resistance, uh, voting rights, and redistributing the pain through economic boycotts. Okay, so check those out at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, so Jeanette Williams said, love the show from Chicago. All right. 
Good. Um, Mimi Lyle said hello from Toledo, Ohio. Nataki. Okay, Nataki from D.C. Hey, Nataki, I'm going to review the information we talked about uh, a couple of days ago. Tell your mom and dad I said hi. I'm going to review the information. I looked over it some. I haven't been able. Yesterday got away from me. It was crazy. Uh, today's Tuesday. So I'm going to look over it um, tomorrow because I'm way behind schedule. I'm supposed to be working on my uh, lecture for this weekend. I'm behind schedule. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to look over it. And I, I checked out blackspot.com yesterday. Um, and I'm going to forward an email to you from Dr. Boyce Watkins. It's Dr. Boyce Watkins is blocked from Facebook for 30 days also. Okay. So, uh, Rob Smith, what's up, brother? Okay. How do you, uh, Vi Minds? Hey, Vi, you coming to my presentation, uh, in, uh, Detroit, uh, Gross Point Park, Michigan, Saturday, January 14th? Double presentation. Come on out. Jungle Juice Bar. All right. So, look, this is what we're going to do. Uh, I can't access the clips because something's wrong with the internet, and this is pissing me off. Because this high-ass internet bill, I pay I pay a hundred and eighty dollars a month to Comcast. It's TV, internet. I have high-speed internet and phone, and uh, I have to figure this out. All right, so let's do this. Let's shift gears here. All right, so the movie Hidden Figures, right? How many people have seen the movie Hidden Figures? Okay, not Hidden Fences, <laughs> but the movie Hidden Figures. Okay, so the movie Hidden Figures is about um, African-American women. And one, and one of the most prominent ones, her name was Katherine Jackson. Okay, and these were um, African-American women who worked for NASA. All right. Now, you may have heard of, of some of a woman named Valerie Williams. Valerie Williams comes along later. She works for NASA. I think she starts in around 1970s, somewhere around there. Valerie Williams was an African-American woman who worked for NASA. She was a mathematician. And what she did was um, uh, she helped to create one of the early forms of 3D technology. And, and NASA is still using her invention today. Okay, it was one of the early forms of 3D technology. I talk about her in my presentation, um, Great African Women in History, the Mothers of Civilization. All right. So the, the movie Hidden Figures just came out this past weekend. It was the number one movie. Okay, the number one movie in the country. It did twenty two point eight million dollars. Uh, it's a historical drama. It stars Taraji P. Henson. We know, we, we, you know, a lot of us love Taraji P. Henson. I'm not a fan of Empire. Don't like Empire. Okay. Um, uh, but but I love Taraji P. Henson. Okay. So it stars Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer. So we remember Octavia Spencer. Many of us remember her from The Help, the movie The Help, and uh, some other movies as well. Octavia Spencer, and then Janelle Monae. So singer Janelle Monae. You know, uh, uh, booty yoga, <laughs> Jamel, Janelle Monet, <laughs> yoga booty. Okay, so <laughs> Janelle Monet is in it also. All right, and it beat out Rogue One. It beat out the movie Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, so it did twenty two point eight million this past weekend. Rogue One did twenty two point one million. All right, so um, now Hidden Figures only played in two thousand four hundred and seventy one theaters. Versus Rogue One, which was in 4,157 uh, theaters. So Rogue One was in almost twice as many theaters 
as hidden figures. Okay, and Rogue One has been a top uh, has been a, at the top of the chart, um, the box office chart for three consecutive consecutive weeks. It's been number one for three consecutive weeks. Okay, all right. Let me see something here. Okay, this doesn't make sense. Okay, hold on. Let me, let me just check something here because Facebook isn't coming up. The other the other sites are coming up, but Facebook is not coming up. What the? F just a minute here. <laughs> I apologize in advance if I cuss. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Let me see if I can figure this out here. Okay, we have three solid lights and one blinking light on the modem. All right, so um, all right, so the movie Hidden Figures also received an A plus grade uh, cinema score, which is the highest grade possible. So this is a historic drama. All right, and this is a good film. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to go see it as soon as I can get some time to go see it. I encourage everybody to go see this. If you want to go see Boo a Medea Halloween, go see this movie. If you went to go see Boo a Medea Halloween, go see this movie. Okay, we have to support good movies like this that tell our history. All right. Now, uh, and this is one aspect of our history, and, and and I know there are different aspects of our history, but this is one. These these were women who were mathematicians, engineers. This type of history has been hidden. Now, I've known about this for a few years now, okay? Now, there was an article from blackden.com called The Incredible Wonderful Miss Catherine Jackson. The, the Incredible Wonderful Miss Catherine Jackson. And uh, we posted this article today on our uh, Facebook fan page, The African History Network. Um and let's see some pages are coming up some aren't i want us that may be just a temporary cache that's coming up you may not be able to access anything so we'll see this here okay but um let's see here so in the article it talks about katherine jackson now she was a physicist okay a space scientist and a mathematician who contributed to america's aeronautics and space programs with the early application of digital electronic computers at NASA. Now, these women were called human computers. They were called human computers. And and um, uh, Glenn Ford, the astronaut who just died, he relied on these women for their calculation, especially Katherine Jackson, for her calculations, for her mathematical calculations. Okay. Um, so it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic story. Okay. Now, okay. It looks like we have some internet coming up. So let's try something here. Just a second here. All right. Just a minute here. Just give me a minute. Looks like the internet's coming up here. All right. Okay. So, um, all right. Now her courage and perseverance of Miss Catherine Jackson um, Johnson, I should say, helped to lead the way for both women and African-Americans in technical fields. All right. We'll have some more information on her in just a minute here. Now, according to the Hollywood Reporter, Sunday morning estimates had the two films um, uh, and uh, Rogue One tying for the number one spot. But uh, uh, people must have come out after church and or brunch 
because Hidden Figures did more business than expected throughout the day. So that's really good. It's an inspiring film about three female, three African-American female mathematicians who helped the United States win the space race. Um, uh, you know, uh, back in this takes place back in the uh Back in the 60s. Okay. All right. Now, the film is based on the book by Margot Lee Shetterly. Margot Lee Shetterly. The book is called Hidden Figures, The American Dream, and the Untold Story of the Black Women Mathematicians Who Helped Win the Space Race. Okay. This is the actual book. The actual, uh, actual book. Hidden Figures, The American Dream, and the Untold Story of the black women mathematicians who helped win the space race. It dramatizes the real life story of three young African-American mathematicians, Katherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, and Mary Jackson, who were instrumental in helping NASA win the space race against the Soviet Union. Okay. Now, Hidden Figures explores the lives of this extraordinary trio by showing their everyday by showing their everyday lives as friends, mothers, wives, and career women working in segregated Langley, Virginia, in the 1950s and 1960s. It is one of the very few feature films in the in the canon that places black women at its center. Okay, and we did. I mean, I can't remember. Another film, and I I haven't seen the film. I've seen previews. I've seen interviews about it, but I've studied this in the past. I can't remember another feature film like this that showed African American women back in the fifties and sixties as mathematicians working for NASA or as engineers, things like this. Okay, so but this this is part of our history. This is this is the untold history of African Americans. Okay. African people in general. Now, the report notes that um, 43% of ticket buyers were Caucasian or European Americans, white people, and 37% African American. Okay? Females made up 64% of Hidden Figures audience, while 56% of all ticket buyers were 35 years old or older. And this is a movie white people should go see also. Everybody should go see this movie. Okay? Now, has anybody seen this film, Hidden Figures? Okay? And you can post your comments. We're going to come to them here in just a minute. Let me see if I can get on because uh, it looks like we're connected to the Internet now. So we're going to try this again here. OK, so we're on Facebook so I can post the information for today's show. looks like I had to reset the moment. So it's just going crazy. It was working fine all day long. Then I get ready to broadcast the show. All of a sudden it acts up. OK. All right, uh, Denise Davis, see the movie, powerful movie. Take your daughters to go see this movie. Take your sons, of course, you know, but take your daughters to go see this movie because uh, the movie, I think, really shows our daughters what they can be. They can use their mind. They may not work for NASA, but they may be engineers. They may be physicists, mathematicians, business owners, things like this. But it shows them uh, uh, what they can be also, okay? It shows it show it shows them what they can be as well okay all right so tony i'm on i'm live just like okay all right so we're back here we had problems with the internet here i had to reset the modem way for everything to recycle and reconnect things like that okay so we're back here we're broadcasting on facebook live also we're back on the uh empowerment radio network on tunein.com uh i'm out of facebook prison 
Uh, I was banned from Facebook for three days. There's something going on. I think they changed the algorithm on how they flag certain things, you know, because the day I tried to I tried to do a post and I had the website address AfricanHistoryNetwork.com in the post. And I've done it thousands of times before. And now it's telling me that the, that, 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 that the, uh, now it's telling me that the, that the website AfricanHistoryNetwork.com could be a, uh, harmful or something's wrong with the website. I'm like, what are you talking about? So it, 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 there's something going on here. Okay. So we just posted the information for the, uh, we just posted the information with the description of uh, today's show here on the Facebook live broadcast. Okay. So check that out also. All right. So, uh, those on, uh, listen, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about the film Hidden Figures, the film Hidden Figures, which is the number one movie, uh, this week. Okay, it beat out Rogue One. It did twenty two point eight million dollars. Rogue One, uh, which is a Star Wars story, uh, did twenty two point one million dollars. And in this movie, you know, we're not maids and we're not prostitutes. Things like this. These are three African-American women who are mathematicians and they work for NASA. Okay, not NASA, but NASA. It reminds me of old joke. <laughs> reminds me of old joke from the original Arsenio Hall show. He said, uh, he said something like, "What did he say?" He said, "You're not gonna find too many people uh, working with the space shuttle." He said, "Cause we don't want to say yes, NASA, no NASA." <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so. Um, Hidden Figures explores the lives of this extraordinary trio of African-American female mathematicians, Katherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, and Mary Jackson, all right, uh, and explores their everyday lives as friends, mothers, wives, career women working in segregated Langley, Virginia in the 1950s and 60s. It is one of the very few feature films uh, um, in the canon that places black women at its center, all right? Now, Taraji P. Henson and Janelle Monet took to social media to celebrate the good news on Monday, okay, which was yesterday, Monday, January 9th. Oh, also, shout out to all my brothers of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Yesterday was our Founders Day. Nobody invited me to a Founders Day celebration. What's up with that? But shout out to all my brothers, Blue Fire Go Mob, all right? So, um, Taraji P. Henson's caption, uh, the um, and we know she's on Empire, it's Cookie on Empire. If you watch it, I don't watch it, but if you watch Empire, uh, she said the the box office uh, the box office success came in spite of people telling her that black women can't open films domestically or internationally. This is another thing, okay? This the African American women; these are the leads in the film. These are the heroes in the film. These are the leads. Now, I know Kevin Costner's in the film, but the film is not about Kevin Costner. The film is about these three African-American women, and it's the number one film in the country. Okay? So, Taraji P. Henson said that this success came in spite of people telling her that, quote, black women can't open films domestically or internationally, end quote. And they're not strippers. They're not, you know like Halle Berry and Monster Ball, they're using their minds. Okay? Love Halle Berry, hated Monster's Ball. 
Love Halle Berry. Hated Monsters Ball. All right. Now, <laughs> now in Janelle Monae's uh, note, she did a post. I think it was on Instagram. Uh, she crowned. She 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 crowned that uh, the Force was with us. The Force was with us. An obvious reference to Rogue One, which is a Star Wars uh, movie. And she remarked that her film won out despite the fact that there was a tremendous snowstorm in parts of the country and was in less theaters than its rival. So once again, uh, and I know we had some technical difficulties, so catch people up, listen on TuneIn. Uh, Hidden Figures played in 2,471 theaters this weekend compared to Rogue One, which played in 4,157 locations. Now, we've talked about this before. You know, we have to focus on getting these movies in more theaters. And, 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 and the, the success of this movie, okay, will cause Hollywood to push the green light on other stories like this, other success stories, different because this is not a slave movie. Okay? Uh it does take place during segregation, but it's not a slave movie. It's a different type of movie during segregation also. Okay? So something like this is, is fantastic. I, I'm really glad that we're having the success. Once again, if you saw Boo a Medea Halloween, okay, go watch this go 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 uh see this movie. If you went to go see Boo, Boo Medea Halloween did sixty million in his first two in his first two uh, weekends at the box office. Okay, so if you went to go see Boo Medea Halloween, go see this movie. I'm not beating up on Tyler Perry. I'm just saying. All right, <laughs> all right. So um, Janelle Monae and her post, she said, "The Force was with us. It took over fifty years to tell the story of these three brilliant African American women protagonists." Without the research of uh, uh, Margot Lee, uh, Margot, uh, uh, Margot uh, Shetterly, who wrote the book Hidden Figures, these women would still be hidden. This weekend was only this weekend. We only had two thousand four hundred seventy one theaters, while Rogue One had four thousand one hundred fifty locations. We had snowstorms that caused East Coast region theaters to close. But hashtag Hidden Fences. Hashtag hidden fences still managed to win the race. And that's a reference to the debacle at the Golden Globe, Golden Globe Awards that happened on Sunday. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. She, she, uh, Janelle Monet goes on to say, thank you to everyone who bought a ticket, brought your family, friends to, uh, told a friend, posted on social media, prayed for this film, etc. We are forever, forever thankful. We did this together. Mary, Catherine, Dorothy, and all the colored and human computers at NASA, because they, these women were called human computers. All the human computers at NASA who took America to space are hidden no more. We will not be erased. Hashtag hidden figures, hashtag Star Wars, hashtag Rogue One. Side note, I think it's awesome that two movies about space were dueling it out. Y'all know I'm a space sci-fi geek for life okay that's what janelle monet wrote on social media as well all right so the bold singer ended by saying quote i think it's okay we got that because i actually put the post here in my notes all right so we're going to talk about this we're on break right now we'll be back in a few minutes hey share this uh broadcast on your own facebook page invite your friends to tune in also you listen to the michael m hotep show right here on the empowerment radio network where now is power Okay, Gregory Osborne said, congrats from Calfa Alpha Psi. All right, thank you. Um, 
All right, how's everybody doing today? We're back live today, Michael M. Hotep Show. Be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of my DVD presentations are there. We shipped out a bunch of orders yesterday. We have some more shipping out today. I have two new presentations I just did in uh, December. Uh, December 17th, I did Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice, and the History of Christmas. Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice, and the History of Christmas. So Kemet is one of the original names for Egypt. Egypt is an Arabic word, a Greek derivation. So we deal with the pre-Christian origins of, of uh, Christmas, we deal with the influence of mythology and connection to uh, Asar, Aset, and Heru, the first Holy Trinity coming out of ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt. There were a lot of history in the in in the um, presentation, and then I did. Um, I was the keynote speaker for a Kwanzaa celebration here in Detroit at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History on the second night of Kwanzaa, Kuji Chagalia, and we dealt with. Um, um, they wanted me to talk about resistance movements of African people throughout history because. Um, this year, 2017, is the 50th anniversary of the um, uh, Detroit Rebellion, 1967 Detroit Rebellion, right? Or what some people call a riot. So uh, my presentation was called In Glock We Trust, In Glock We Trust, The Ballot and the Bullet, How African People Fought uh, how, how African People Fought Against Oppression with Armed Resistance, Voting Rights, and redistributing the pain through economic boycotts. Okay, so both of those presentations are available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, all right, let's see. So what can we do here? Now, you have a number of hearings going on, Senate hearings going on today. You have Senator Jeff Sessions being uh, confirmation hearings for Attorney General. You also had... FBI Director James Comey on the hot seat today as well. I mean, there's so much going on today. Um, okay. All right. Welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network where knowledge is power. Okay. Frank B. Williams on Facebook said, no, NASA. Yes, NASA. Uh, let's go to Facebook. Okay. We have Sheila uh, Jacot. Jacot. Uh, love this. Shout out from, from uh, Suriname. Okay. You're in Suriname. Wow. All right. Uh, everybody watching, be sure to visit our fan. Be sure to share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also, okay? And be sure to go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. My DVD presentations are there. You can order those. If you like the information you share, we share, you can donate to the African History Network. Click on the yellow Donate button. That helps us stay on the air, keep paying the bills, pay this high-as Internet bill, these light bills, etc. All right. Uh, let's see who else we have on Facebook. Charles Antoine Jr. said we might be put in Facebook jail sharing this. Um, I hope not. Rashid Akbar said I hated Monsters Ball. Hated it. Don't forget about Hidden Colors. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Hidden Colors, but Hidden Colors is not in the theaters. Hidden Colors is a documentary. This is a feature film. Hidden Colors is powerful also. Uh, and we, I'm a distributor of Hidden Colors. We have it at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, Frank B. Williams said, you're wrong for that joke. I'm doing a presentation. Everybody in Detroit, Detroit area, I'm doing a lecture, a double lecture this Saturday, January 14th at the Jungle Juice Bar. We're going to post a Facebook event 
of the event invite today because I've been couldn't do it for three days. Um, shout out to uh, Dr. Brindisha Tynes, Dr. Brindisha Tynes. Uh, she she just uh, liked uh, the video here, so hopefully you're watching Brindisha. Brindisha, I got to set up an interview with you. Brindisha is a college professor. I've known Brindisha since we were in second grade. <laughs> I think I've known Brindisha since elementary school. We got to set up an interview, Brindisha, because you have an app that uh, you help create or create or something like that. So we have to talk about that. Okay, so um, Kay Smith said, I'm proud to be a black woman that works in the technology industry. Okay, and we have to expose our children, especially our daughters, uh, 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 children, period, but especially our daughters to um, uh, occupations two careers in the technology industry help, help help demystify that for them also. Okay, Joseph Strouder said, should be required viewing for every black woman in America, young and old. Uh, Nataki Cambon said, it's so choppy on my computer. It's audible. Okay, now, can everybody see? Everybody should be able to see me clearly because I'm running off the internet off my phone and everything looks smooth here. So you may want to refresh your screen, Nataki. Uh, I rebooted because I thought it was my machine. Just seeing comments about the connection. Okay, so uh, connection should be good. Okay, everybody. When okay, K. Smith said, "When are you coming to Baltimore?" Hey, okay, if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, if you're outside of Metro Detroit. Go to blackspeakers.com, blackspeakers.com forward slash Michael M. Hotep, blackspeakers.com forward slash Michael M. Hotep, because they are handling my uh, national bookings. Okay, Black Speakers, and that's the, that's the speaker bureau that Dave Anderson, who's the founder of the Empowerment Radio Network, he set that up. Okay, blackspeakers.com forward slash Michael M. Hotep. And uh, they handle my national bookings. Okay, so you have you can uh, I, I will be in Baltimore April first and April second. I'll be uh, uh, I'll, I'll be doing a workshop at the uh, the Baltimore Natural Hair Care Expo that uh, Malika Cooper does. I'll, I'll probably do a workshop on Great African Women in History, the Mothers of Civilization. But if you want me to speak outside of that, go to blackspeakers.com forward slash Michael M Hotep. I M H O T E P, and they have the form. Just fill it out briefly, and they'll contact you. Okay. All right. Um, if you're in the Detroit area, email me at info at africanhistorynetwork.com. I N F O, info at africanhistorynetwork.com. Okay. Now, Pamela Ashton Art on Facebook said it's frozen on my end. I restarted my phone and Facebook, and it still is. Okay. Okay, so some people, I'm coming in clearly, other people I'm not. Don't know what's going on. But I'm, I'm going to keep going on, okay? All right, so Katherine Johnson. Uh, we posted this article today from blackden.com about Katherine Johnson, who's the central figure of uh, this film. And she's portrayed by Taraji P. Henson in the film, okay? Um, the incredible and wonderful Miss Katherine Johnson. The incredible and wonderful Miss Katherine Johnson. Eat these goddamn ads. All right, just a second. Try and get past these ads. Okay, Catherine Johnson is a physicist, space scientist, and mathematician who contributed to America's aeronautics and space programs 
with the early application of digital electronic computers at NASA. Okay. Her courage and perseverance helped to lead the way for both women and African-Americans uh, in technical fields. She graduated from high school at the age of 14. Graduated from high school. These are the, this is the type of genius our ancestors had. And, and she's still alive today. This is the type of genius. I think she's still alive. This is the type of genius that, that we have. She graduated from high school at the age of 14. And then she received uh, a, a bachelor's of science degree in uh, French and mathematics in 1934 from West Virginia State University, formerly West Virginia State College. At that time, Dr. W. W. Schif uh, Schifflin Claytor, Claytor, Dr. W. W. Schifflin Claytor, the third African American to earn a Ph.D. degree in mathematics, created a special course in analytic geometry specifically for Katherine Johnson because when you study Katherine Johnson and if you saw the film uh, Hidden Figures you saw she was a genius at mathematics and people were saying they hadn't seen anything like this before okay um, okay Frank on Facebook do you know Dr. Jawanska Jufu speaking in Flint yeah I saw your post speaking in Flint yeah um, I'll see possibly if I can set up an interview I, that's January oh I can't do anything that's tomorrow yeah, I won't be able to do anything on that one, uh, Frank, but thanks for the information. Now, in 1940, Katherine Johnson attended West Virginia University to obtain a graduate's degree. She was one of the first African-Americans to enroll in the mathematics program. However, family issues kept her from completing the required courses. After college, Katherine Johnson began teaching in elementary and high schools in Virginia and West Virginia. Okay, so how did she get connected with NASA? In June of 1953, Katherine Johnson was contracted as a research mathematician at the Langley Research Center. At first, she worked in a pool of women performing math calculations. Catherine has referred to the women in the pool as virtual computers, virtual computers who wore skirts. OK, and they were commonly known as human computers. Their math, their main job was to read the data from the black boxes of planes, airplanes, and carry out other precise mathematical tasks. OK, then one day. Katherine Johnson and a colleague were temporarily assigned to help the all-male flight research team. Katherine's knowledge of analytic geometry helped make quick allies of male bosses and colleagues to the extent that, quote, they forgot to return me to the pool, end quote, the pool of women, okay? While the racial and gender barriers were always there, uh, Catherine says she ignored them. Catherine was assertive. Uh, hold on. Catherine was assertive, asking to be included in editorial meetings where no women had gone before. She simply told people she had done the work and that she belonged. Now, at NASA, Catherine Johnson started work in the all male flight mechanics branch and later moved to the spacecraft controls branch. She calculated the trajectory for the space flight of Alan Shepard, the first American in space in 1959, and the, and the launch window for his 1961 Mercury mission. She plotted backup navigational charts for uh, astronauts in case of electronic failures. Okay, she plotted backup navigational charts 
for astronauts in case of electronic failures. Now, in 1962, when NASA used computers for the first time to calculate John Glenn, yes, John Glenn, I think I said Glenn Ford, John Glenn, uh, to calculate John Glenn's orbit around the Earth. Okay, 1962, NASA was using computers for the first time. Officials called on Katherine Johnson to verify the computer's numbers because they trusted her calculations more than they trusted the computer's calculations. Now, Katherine Johnson later worked directly with real computers. Her ability and reputation for accuracy helped to establish confidence in the new technology, in the new technology of computers. She calculated the trajectory for the 1969 Apollo 11 flight to the moon. Later in her career, let me repeat that. She calculated the trajectory for the 1969 Apollo 11 flight to the moon. So when they tell the story of the Apollo 11, right, they usually don't talk about the African-American woman who was calculating the trajectory for the flight. Now, later in her career, she worked on the space shuttle program the Earth Resources Satellite and on plans for a mission to Mars. Okay, so what is Katherine Johnson's legacy? Uh, in total, Katherine uh, Johnson co-authored 26 scientific papers of which only one can now be found. The practice in 1960 would have been not to list the female computers as formal authors so that she was listed as an author in a peer-reviewed NASA report is so the fact that she was listed as an author in a peer-reviewed NASA report is significant um, let's see okay uh, Katherine Johnson's social impact as a pioneer in, in space science and computing may be seen both from the honors she has received and the number of times her story is presented as a role model uh, since 1979, uh, before she retired from NASA, Katherine Johnson's biography has had an honored place in lists of African Americans in science and technology. In an era when race and gender held back many, uh, Johnson's courage, perseverance, and talent helped her to succeed. The continuing need for historical success models for both women and African Americans make Katherine Johnson particularly important. All right. So check out this article. Uh, BlackThen.com has an article about this. I know the Smithsonian, SmithsonianMag.com, SmithsonianMag.com, the official website of the Smithsonian Institute, they have an article about Katherine Johnson and the human computers. Okay. We may get to that tomorrow or Friday or something like that. Okay. All right. We'll be back in a few minutes. You listen to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Knowledge is Power. Hey, those watching on Facebook, share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in as well. We're live and in living color. When we come back, we're going to talk about Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, Senator Jeff Sessions. We're going to talk about him uh, as well. So, wait a second here. What is this? Hold on. This is pages six and seven. Where's the article? I think I know which article this is. So Senator Jeff Sessions is being grilled today uh, by Senate confirmation hearing. They talked about this morning on News One Now with Roland Martin because there are accusations of uh, him being a racist in the past. 
and that he's unfit to be attorney general. We know that President Obama is speaking today, uh, his uh, outgoing speech. Uh, okay, a federal jury found today that uh, Charleston sh church shooter Dylan Roth should be sentenced to death. Okay, there is a God. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I figured they were going to find him. I figured they were going to sentence him to death. Um, session pledges to respect Roe versus Wade. So you have confirmation hearings going on today. Al Franken torn to Jeff Sessions today also. We're going to have some uh, recap of the analysis tomorrow because there's a lot to cover. Uh, but Al Franken torn to him uh, today. Senator Al Franken. All right, so just give me a minute here. We'll be back from break in one minute. All right, so it's the new year, and in the new year, you want to get things uh, started off right. And the best way to do that, one of the best ways to do that, is to start out with an insurance policy uh, today for your loved ones tomorrow. All right, um, we want to be, we want to make sure that we leave assets for our loved ones and, and our children as opposed to debt. Hey, give Yolanda Spivey a call today at the Whitney Insurance Agency at 201-880-7179. 201-880-7179, the Whitney Insurance Agency. Yolanda Spivey also um, visit uh, their website mwhitney.com, mwhitney.com, or theblackinsurancenetwork.com, theblackinsurancenetwork.com. Okay. All right, welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network, where knowledge is power. Okay, so um, this morning on uh, News One Now with Roland Martin, they talked about uh, Senator Jeff Sessions. Once again, you know, we've talked about him here on the show uh, before. Confirmation hearing started today. Confirmation hearing takes place uh, today and tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay. And... Uh, he will probably be confirmed because Republicans have a, a majority. But there's a lot of controversy over Senator Jeff Sessions. Now, there was an article, there was an op-ed article for the Washington Post uh, written this, it was January 3rd. Uh, and it's written by uh, J. Gerald Herbert, Joseph D. Rich, and William Yeomans. Name of this article, Jeff Sessions says he handled these civil rights cases. He barely touched them. Okay. Jeff Sessions says he handled these civil rights cases. He barely touched them. And the question Roland Martin asked this morning on News One Now is where is a record of Jeff Sessions? Uh, where is the proof of Senator Jeff Sessions' record of fighting for voting rights? Okay, we can also ask, where's the proof of him fighting for civil rights as well in general? Now, in this article, because this article was brought up by Senator Al Franken today in the confirmation hearings, Attorney General nominee Jeff Sessions is trying to mislead his Senate colleagues and the country into believing he is a champion for civil rights. We are former Justice Department civil rights lawyers who worked on the civil rights uh, cases that Jeff Sessions cites as evidence for his client for this claim. So we know the record isn't Sessions to burnish. We won't let the nominee misstate 
his civil rights history to get the job of the nation's chief law enforcement officer. Okay, so Senator Jeff Sessions was the uh, uh, former attorney general for uh, the state of Alabama, and he also worked um, in the U.S. Attorney's Office as well. Okay, let's go to this clip from this morning news one now with Roland Martin. It is a busy day on Capitol Hill as Senator. Hold on just a minute here. Okay, just a second. We'll, we'll try to get this clip going for you. All right, folks, it is a busy day on Capitol Hill as Senator Jeff Sessions of Alabama goes before the session today for his confirmation hearings. Uh, what is important is uh, Donald Trump want him, wants him to be the nation's chief law enforcement officer. That is not sitting well with many civil rights groups as they are protesting uh, his pick. Uh, they say he simply uh, is too strident when it comes to the issue of voting rights, when it comes to the issue of immigration. Uh, and so he's expected to uh, pass through, but again, it's going to be a tough Information hearing. A number of people will be testifying for Republicans as Democrats. He also has picked up the endorsement of former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, uh, who says he is more than qualified for the job as well. Uh, we have several people we want to talk to uh, about this uh, a little bit in a moment. We're going to show you, though, uh, a protest yesterday here in the nation's capital uh, led by clergy saying he should not be uh, confirmed as Attorney General. But first up, we want to talk to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. They have. All right, just a minute here. I uh, open this in another browser. Let's see if we can get this going in another browser here. Just a second. All right, folks, it is a busy day on. Judge. NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. They have been. All right, hold on. I'm trying to run this off of Facebook because it's not on News One's website. Folks, it is a busy day on Capitol Hill of voting rights when it comes to the of voting rights when it comes to the issue of immigration, uh, and so he's expected to uh, pass through, but. Again, it's going to be a tough confirmation hearing. A number of people will be testifying for Republicans as Democrats. He also has picked up the endorsement of former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, uh, who says he is more than qualified for the job as well. Uh, we have several people we want to talk to uh, about this uh, a little bit in a moment. We're going to show you, though, uh, a protest yesterday here in the nation's capital uh, led by clergy saying he should not be uh, confirmed as Attorney General. But first up, we want to talk to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. They have. All right, just a minute here. All right, we'll try to come back to that. Um, on news1.com's website, they have uh, part of this segment, so we'll go to that. I think that'll play. I think that'll play better. We'll go to that segment. Uh, check out the uh, the article that I wrote uh, about Jeff Sessions. It was about my interview with uh, Dr. Greg Carr, chair of the Afro-American Studies Department, because we talked about what 
a uh, what Jeff Sessions as attorney general will mean. We talked about how Jeff Sessions will uh, how President Obama had uh, instructed his uh, Department of Justice uh, not to seek, uh, you know, to, to ignore a lot of low level crimes and not to seek harsh penalties for a lot of low level crimes. This is something that Jeff Sessions will do. He'll seek harsh penalties for low level crimes. Jeff Sessions is an advocate of mandatory minimums. We know that. Uh, Donald Trump is a uh, advocate of privatized prisons. I think Jeff Sessions is one as well. Okay, but the other thing is, is that Jeff Sessions will also one of the things Sessions will do is that he'll go after uh, people who use marijuana because he's to he's totally against uh, marijuana being used. There is even even in states where it's legal because they're still uh, defying. Uh, federal law, okay, because it's even though it's legal in some states, whether for medical purposes or recreational purposes, it's still it's important for people to understand marijuana is still illegal on a federal level, so you can still be prosecuted on a federal level for marijuana usage, possession, etc. Okay, so um, so the article that I I wrote. Um, about my interview with Dr. Greg Carr. It's called um, uh, Dr. Greg Carr interview impact of Senator Jeff Sessions as attorney general for black people impact of Jeff Sessions as attorney general for black people. Okay, let's go to this clip here and you can read all my articles at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, so pastors across the nation are choosing sides when it comes to today's confirmation hearing to decide if Alabama Senator Jeff Sessions will become the next U.S. Attorney General. Reverend William Barber III led an interfaith group of clergy on a moral march on Monday yesterday to protest Senator Jeff Sessions' nomination while a group of black pastors, I think a lot of these are Republican pastors, uh, Republican black pastors, a group of black pastors, held a press conference in Washington, D.C. to support the nomination of President-elect Donald Trump's pick to be the next Attorney General of the United States. I, I would be willing to bet money that most of these black pastors who are supporting Jeff Sessions, they also voted for Donald Trump. Okay, The group, the group of black pastors supporting Senator Jeff Sessions, who is Donald Trump's nomination for attorney general, included Bishop Harry Jackson, who, who, who is a Republican, senior pastor of Hope Christian Church, Dr. William Merritt, the state field director for the National Carolina Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Bishop Kyle Searcy, and Reverend William Green from Fresh Anointing House of Worship in Montgomery, Alabama. Okay, uh, let's go to this clip here. I think we have it uh, queued. Uh, Angela, there were a group of black pastors yesterday who uh, had a news conference on Capitol Hill uh, supporting Jeff Sessions. Folks, can y'all please let me know what the video is because we sent a camera there to actually have it on the show. Uh, and so uh, there are some who uh, are supportive of uh, Jeff Sessions as well. Uh, let's play some of that and I'm going to come back to you. Senator Sessions is not a racist. We've met with his staff. Many of these folks know him personally. And so I like to remember these things. Number one, Sessions helped desegregate schools in Alabama, a huge issue. Also, he got the death penalty 
for a KKK murderer. I, I think that would qualify you as someone who's eliminating racism, not one who is perpetrating it on anyone. Also, Senator Sessions worked to bankrupt the KKK in Alabama with a $7 million judgment. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's with that side at all, does it? And if you look honestly at the track record of Jeff Sessions, not biased, but honestly, you'll find him to be a kind and a decent man. One again that many Democrats, black Democrats and whites alike have supported, and a man who deserves to lead this nation is its top lawyer. But I believe he has a right to be heard without, and, and, and considered without incendiary rhetoric and designed to create emotional reactions from people. And you can judge a tree uh, by the fruit it's bare. And you can tell over the body of work and looking at what this man has done, as well as all the people, both Republican, Democrat, or whatever, that black and white that are coming out and supporting this man, that he is not one that is racist. I think that uh, the confirmation of Senator Session will give an opportunity for journalists like ourselves to be able to meet directly with him and his staff, help to influence things that may be beneficial to all Americans. Angela, I'm not wasting my time with this whole silly racist, not racist conversation. What I'm looking at are the actual issues that speak to our, and he is absolutely against the extension of the Voting Rights Act. Uh, we, we clearly know where he stands when it comes to uh, criminal justice reform. So on those issues, uh, he's not there. Well, Roland, I mean, we, we got fireworks going on in D.C. right now, and you're right. We've got racist, not racist, back and forth. But what we do know from both sides of the aisle, we've got um, Congresswoman Sorrell, we've, we've got Condoleezza Rice, Ken Blackwell, numerous of people coming out saying, hey, we can work with this man. We've got a nuclear option in play. He's going to get confirmed. So we've got to be thinking about what we're going to do to work with this man to make sure that where we a million African-Americans incarcerated out of 2.3 million incarceration population that we're able to work with him to get these things okay. resolved for our There's community. There's a criminal justice reform bill that's been sitting in the United States Senate for the past year. Where's Jeff Sessions laid on that? Exactly. Jeff, Sessions, Jeff Sessions wants more mandatory minimums. Yes. Jeff Sessions is not there on Voting Rights Act. Jeff Sessions simply didn't say anything when it came to the massive voter suppression taking place in North Carolina. So, so again, I'm not playing the game of racist, not racist. I'm not even trying to go back to what he did uh, 40 years ago. I'm focused on what he has done the last eight years. So where is the evidence? Where is the evidence? And I, I don't want anybody to provide to me where Jeff Sessions is willing to stand up on behalf of black voters when it comes to voting. Okay, let's pause it right there. We have to take a quick break. We'll be back in two minutes. Listen to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Knowledge is Power. Okay, on Facebook, uh, and we're going to, let me, I'm going to back this up. I want people to hear this, okay? And also, you heard the African American pastors, they talked about the, uh, they talked about the Ku Klux Klan, the case. Uh, there's an article, because I was researching that case on the Ku Klux Klan. There's an article from the Atlantic because the, the, the because that case is not, his involvement in it is not the way a lot of people are presenting it because what's happening is is that a history of fighting for civil rights is being manufactured for Jeff Sessions okay and if you read the article 
from uh, the op-ed article from the Washington Post from January 3rd. Jeff Sessions says he handled these civil rights cases. He barely touched them. You see that a, 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 a civil rights, uh, a history of fighting for civil rights is being manufactured for him, and it doesn't exist. Also, Washington Post had a fact-checking article from uh, today. Okay, uh, this is written by Michelle Michelle Lee. Michelle Lee, she does some excellent fact checking for the Washington Post. Does Senator Jeff Sessions have a strong record on civil rights enforcement? Does Senator Jeff Sessions have a strong record on civil rights enforcement? Um, in the article, it says uh, this is from this morning. Okay, January tenth, two thousand seventeen, by Michelle Lee. Michelle Yeah He Lee Y E H E E Lee. This Michelle Lee. Quote, Senator, Senator Sessions' strong civil rights record includes a host of desegregation lawsuits he filed in Alabama while he was U.S. attorney, voting in favor of 30-year extension of the Civil Rights Act, voting to confirm Attorney General Eric Holder, spearheading the effort to award the Congressional uh, Gold Medal to Rosa Parks, and much more, end quote. Okay, now... Um, symbolic things like giving the medal to Rosa Parks and all this stuff and crying at the monument of Dr. King. I don't care about all this symbolic stuff. That means nothing to me. Okay. Because these same people will then, you know, because Jeff Sessions didn't say anything about uh, voter ID laws and the voter suppression that took place here in this uh, last election cycle. Now, um, Previously, we dug into controversial aspects of his background that are likely to come up in his confirmation hearings. In 1985, a voter fraud case that uh, Jeff Sessions prosecuted, a voter fraud case that Jeff Sessions prosecuted, and his comments on race. Sessions was U.S. attorney in the Southern District of Alabama from 1981 to 1993. He decided to take a look at another part of his background. We decided to take a, uh, a look at another part of his background on civil rights enforcement. OK, now uh, the Trump transition team's memo defending uh, the president elect's cabinet picks claims that Senator Jeff Sessions has a quote unquote strong civil rights record. Well, you know, the way you know that they're lying is that they're moving their mouth. The way you know the Trump uh, camp the Trump uh, transition team is lying is that they're moving their mouth, you know, just for future reference. So they claim that Jeff Sessions has a, a, quote, strong civil rights record, end quote, which includes, quote, a host of desegregation lawsuits he filed in Alabama while he was U.S. attorney, end quote. Now, many of his supporters have been citing this memo and this memo is from the Trump transition team. Many of his supporters have been signing this memo to defend Jeff Sessions record. So the fact checking team at the Washington Post took a look at some of the demonstrative cases highlighted. Senator Jeff Sessions staff and and Donald Trump's transition team and explored Jeff Sessions role in the cases. And this is what the op ed article from January 3rd digs into because they're saying that wait a second two of the four civil rights cases that he listed because what he did was in preparation for this hearing there's all type of paperwork he had to fill out because this is part of the um, background check so he listed like his top 10 cases he was involved in and you had a civil rights attorneys who worked on these cases and they said wait a second two of the cases 
that he listed, we worked on those cases and he had he he had nothing of any substance to do any or any significance to do with these cases. So they go and lay out some of the facts here. So a spokesman for Jeff Sessions provided news articles quoting African American leaders praising uh, Sessions and supporting and supporting him for Attorney General. Okay. Among those quotes were William Huntley employee in Senator Jeff Sessions U.S. Attorney's Office who has known uh, Jeff Sessions for three decades who told Politico, Politico.com that he never encountered racial insensitivity from Sessions. He never encountered racial insensitivity from Sessions. Okay. We asked the Trump transition team and Sessions staff for uh, cases that demonstrate Sessions, quote unquote, strong civil rights record, strong civil rights record. OK, we received a list of six top civil rights enforcement cases four that involve voting rights and desegregation of public schools in Alabama. OK, now Sessions also listed these four cases in a questionnaire to the Senate Judiciary Committee as among the 10 most significant litigated matters that he personally handled. Personally handled. See, that's the other thing. So when you research this, these 10 cases, he said these are cases he personally handled, right? In a supplement to the questionnaire, Senator Jeff Sessions clarified that his role in these four cases, um, the uh, voting rights and desegregation cases, desegregation in Alabama. His role in these four cases was, quote, to provide support for the Department of Justice, provide support for the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division attorneys, okay? To provide support for the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division attorneys. I reviewed, uh, supported, and co-signed, he said, I reviewed, supported, and co-signed complaints motions and other pleadings and briefs that were filed during my tenure as U.S. Attorney. I, profile, I, I provided assistance and guidance to the civil rights uh, division attorneys, had an open door policy with them and cooperated with them on these cases, end quote. Okay, uh, check out the rest. Check out the rest of this, because let's skip to the conclusion here. Uh, We'll come back to that in just a second. Let's go back to this clip here from News One now with uh, with Roland Martin. They talked about this this morning. Uh, let's see. Just a second here. I got to get back to this. I have about 50 tabs open. Let's go back to this tab here. Okay. All right, just a minute here. I have to get back to my place here. All right, so on Facebook, uh, Vi Mines said, uh, with the past supporting him, it brings in question how religion is used to keep blacks in place, perpetuating the plantation mentality. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Because you're explaining to me what initiatives Donald Trump pushing, what policies is he pushing, 
that you think are going to be beneficial to the African-American community and explain to me how, how this outweighs the other policies that he's pushing that are going to be detrimental to the African-American community, like his tax plan, the voucher program for education. I, I want you to explain this to me. Okay. His pick, his pick for attorney general is going to be devastating. All right. So let's go back to this clip. Back to what he did uh, 40 years ago. I'm focused on what he has done the last eight years. So where is the evidence? Where is the evidence? And I, I don't want anybody can provide to me where Jeff Sessions is willing to stand up on behalf of black voters when it comes to voting. I mean, look. We can we can keep saying where he's racist, not racist. No, 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 no. Hold on, Angela, Angela, Angela. I just said. Hold on, Angela, Angela. One second, Angela. Angela, Angela. I just said. As a lone man, he was. Since we're in the mighty in 2001, when he put that bill forth by himself, and as a lone person in 2001, in the minority. It's 2001. This is 2016. There's a criminal justice reform act. There's a criminal justice reform bill that was put forth last year that Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas was blocking. Where was Jeff Sessions leading on that? Jeff Sessions was standing with Durbin back in, in 2015. I mean, so, I mean... But he didn't, he, even un he didn't even move to unblock it. I mean, again, all I want to know is, where's the evidence of Jeff Sessions I'm not even, I'm telling you, I'm not even going to deal with, well, what he did as a U.S. attorney, what he didn't prosecute, uh, did he call somebody boy or not. What I'm saying is this here, show me the evidence of where Jeff, Jeff Sessions has been an advocate for civil rights in the past eight years. Jeff Sessions is liked by his colleagues? No, I'm not Jeff asking Sessions. about like. <laughs> Angela, I'm asking for evidence. See, this is my problem. This is my problem. That we've gotten caught up in, he's a nice person, yeah, he's great. Yeah. No, he is going to be the chief law enforcement officer of this country. And what I want to know is Jeff Sessions, will he hold police departments accountable uh, for abuse? Will Sessions fight for folks when it comes to voting rights? Well, I want to know, will Jeff Sessions do that? And so I don't want to hear nothing about how nice he is, how wonderful he is, how congenial he is, how he can sit here and rub your arm and make you feel good. No, I want to buy policy. Well, with policy, you also have relationships, and we've got oh, people who okay. keep saying that you can work with him. Okay, well, 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 we gotta work together. As, as somebody who is a senior senior Republican, uh, and I have not seen it in the past decade, and so my deal is, show me the evidence. Show me the evidence, and I wait. I got all these sheets of paper. I got an iPad. I got an iPhone. Y'all can text me at home if y'all have the evidence uh, that Jeff Sessions has actually been advocating on the issue of criminal justice reform, on the issue of voting rights in the past eight years. Take your time. I'll be here for the rest of the week. Kickstart your day at 7 and get the news you need from perspective you want. News One Now with Roland Martin every weekday morning at 7 on TV One. Okay. So the the history doesn't exist. So Angela is an African American Republican, brainwashed, provided she couldn't provide evidence. She wants to talk about him being a nice guy. We're not talking about him being a nice guy, okay? Now here's another thing. Now all you weed heads, this is for you. This is why I talked about, and you've heard me talk about before on this show, how elections have consequences, right? And let me let me ask a question here. 
and I'm gonna print up this. Uh, I'm print up the rest of this article from uh, Washington Post. Very, very, very busy news day because I was watching um, MSNBC. I was watching the confirmation hearings, doing research, uh, and I'm gonna give you this article about the Ku Klux Klan prosecution case as well. That's credited to Jeff Sessions. There's more. We're gonna talk more about that tomorrow. Um, okay, we need to print up pages four through six. Just a minute here. Print up the rest of that. How many positions does Donald Trump have to have to fill in his administration in total? How many positions does Donald Trump have to fill in his position in his administration? Who can tell me? We're on break right now. We'll be back in three minutes. In, in three minutes, you listen to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Niles' Power. All right. Uh, and let's go to the Ku Klux Klan one also. Okay, so Tina John said, I love Rolling Tells It Like It Is. Yeah, that was from this morning news one now with Roland Martin. Uh, check that, uh, check that article out in news one, uh, news one now. It's, uh, black pastors. I think black pastors come to the defense of Jeff Sessions, something like that. Is that news one, uh, news one.com's website? Okay. Um, and to get to the get to the clips directly from um, News One Now at NewsOne.com's website, when you pull up their website on the left hand corner, you'll see I think it's some horizontal lines. Click on those horizontal lines, and the menu drops down. Click on News One Now. Um, okay, Amos Lewis. All right, thanks. Okay, Gregory Jones. Okay, Marquise. Good. Four thousand. Y'all have been paying attention. So Trump has to has to hire 4,000 people, okay? And just a second, we'll break. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. Just a minute. We'll be right back. Michael M. Hotep, host of the African History Network show on 910 AM, the Superstation. We just got... Hotel family, this is Michael M. Hotep, host of the African History Network show on 910 AM, the Superstation. We just got finished doing my uh, January 8th show, 2017, the first show of the year. I'm on Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 910 AM, the Superstation uh, in Detroit. I'm also on the uh, Michael M. Hotep show on the Apartment Radio Network, Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as well. And I want to let you know, coming up Saturday, January 14th, 2017, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the Jungle Juice Bar located at 149-249-29 Charlevoix Street in uh, Gross Prank Park, Michigan. I'm doing a double presentation. Uh, the first presentation will be uh, the distortion of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The revolutionary will not be televised. The revolutionary will not be televised. Uh, we know Dr. King Day is coming up Monday, January 16th, so this is a presentation uh, dealing with the revolutionary Dr. King, the Dr. King that talked about uh, economic empowerment for African Americans, the Dr. King who was against the uh, war in Vietnam, the Dr. King who supported the Black Power movement as well. Okay, and we and uh, we were all familiar with the song "The Revolution Will Not Be Televised" by Gil Scott Heron. This deals with the revolutionary will not be televised because the revolutionary Dr. King is not shown to us on the television. 
uh, every Dr. King day when they show us the last two minutes of the I Have a Dream speech or the last two minutes of I've been to the mountaintop. And then my second presentation will be Malcolm X 50 years later, why is he still relevant? Malcolm X 50 years later, why is, why is he still relevant? We know the anniversary of Malcolm's assassination is coming up February 21st, uh, you know, February 21st also, okay? So, Jungle Juice Bar, Saturday, January 14th, 2017, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Free event, donations accepted. Uh, 1492 Dollar Voice Street, Grosvenor Park, right across the street from Detroit. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, for more information. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Also, um, call us 313 313-462-0003. As well, if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, email me at info, info at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Info, info at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Remember, right now is correct wrong behavior. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. Welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network. With knowledge is power. Be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of my DVD presentations are there. Um, we have documentaries, Hidden Colors documentaries, Hidden Colors Family Bundle Pack there. You get nine DVD presentations for one low price. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay. Check out the article at news1.com. Black pastors hold presser, P R E S S E R. Black pastors hold presser uh, to support Jeff Sessions, offer proof of his civil rights record. Offer proof of his civil rights record. Should say offer no proof of his civil rights record. That's, that's what it really should say. Okay. And in there they have the uh, segment from News One Now this morning with Roland Martin. All right. So the article that we talked about before the break from the Washington Post, does Senator Jeff Sessions have a strong record on civil rights enforcement? That's from this morning, January 10th, posted at 6 a.m. from Michelle Lee. Okay, she does some really, really good fact-checking for the Washington Post. I read the Washington Post and New York Times. I read articles from them every day. So the synopsis, the Pinocchio test, that's the summary, the Pinocchio test, right? The Trump team memo that said that Jeff Sessions had a uh, strong civil rights record, a strong civil rights record. The Trump team memo, uh, transition team memo, makes it seem as though Sessions took a more active role in bringing these lawsuits. Supporters should be wary of the wording in this memo, which an official involved, which an official involved with the transition team says overstated. Jeff Sessions role in these case in these cases. OK. Um, supporters should be wary of the wording in these memos, which an official involved with the transition team says overstated Sessions role in these cases. There was one desegregation case that Senator Jeff Sessions was involved in as a U.S. attorney and the others involve voting rights. Three Three of four cases, three of the four cases were underway when Sessions took office. So these are not cases that he led on. Three of those four cases were already in session when he took office as U.S. attorney. Okay. Now, Sessions has said he was familiar with the facts and, and arguments and that he supported the investigations and litigation. He listed these cases as one as ones that he was personally involved in. He listed these cases as ones he was personally involved in, but he later clarified 
to say that his main role was to quote provide support to provide support for attorneys in the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division but he but he stated originally that these were cases he was personally involved in and this is what the op-ed article from the Washington Post from January 3rd talks about and this is written by three of the civil rights attorneys involved in these cases that Sessions was saying that he was personally involved and they say no you weren't read this article Jeff Sessions says he handled these civil rights cases he barely touched them Washington Post January 3rd okay so let's wrap up with the Pinocchio test Sessions listed these cases as ones that he was personally involved in, but he later clarified to say that his main role was to quote unquote provide support for attorneys in the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division. By design, attorneys in the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division were directly responsible for the day-to-day -day tasks in these legal cases. So Jeff Sessions, as United States Attorney, had a supervisory role. He wasn't handling the day-to-day -day ins and outs of the cases. He had a supervisory role over this. Sessions' quote-unquote strong record on civil rights has more to do with the fact that he did not interfere in these cases or otherwise make it difficult for the Civil Rights Division attorneys to do their jobs. Because when you study this guy, he doesn't have a history of fighting for civil rights for African Americans. He doesn't have a history of fighting for voting rights for African Americans. He was against the Voting Rights Act in 1965. So they conclude and say, we will not issue a Pinocchio rating. There is no particular name attached to this memo or a primary document released to the public by the Trump transition team. And the transition team acknowledged aspects of the memo were erroneous. Okay, read, read the entire article because I don't have time to get through all of it. I gave you a synopsis of it. Does Senator Jeff Sessions have a strong record on civil rights enforcement? Hell no. That's from this morning, Washington Post. Read that. Go to WashingtonPost.com. Read it. Now, before the break, I asked a question and, and a couple people got it right. I said, how many positions does Donald Trump have to fill in his administration? How many people does he have to hire? He has to hire 4,000. He has to hire 4,000. Okay? So when you had the primary taking place, right? And people, were, well, when you had the, 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 the presidential election cycle, the main election, and people are saying, I don't like this candidate. I don't like that candidate. My thing was, wait a second, you have to look at their policies. And you have to look at the people who they're going to hire. He has to hire 4,000 people. What the hell difference does it make whether you, like the, whether, you, whether you like this candidate or not? You have to look at who they are surrounding themselves with, who they're going to hire, and, and most importantly, look at the policies they're pushing. So, thinkprogress.org had an article uh, this morning. I'm sorry, yesterday. It had an article yesterday, January 9th. This is for all you weed heads out there. Under Jeff Sessions... Drug legalization and sentencing reforms will go up in smoke. Under Jeff Sessions, drug legalization and sentencing reforms will go up in smoke. 
Donald Trump's nominee for attorney general is one of Washington's most virulently anti-marijuana lawmakers. Now, this is something I talked about in the interview that I did with uh, Dr. Greg Carr, who's the chair of the Afro-American Studies Department at Howard University. But not, he not only has a Ph.D. in Afro-American studies, he also has a law degree and he teaches in Howard's law school as well. Read the article that uh, I wrote because the, the video, the interview that we did is uh, is in the article. Well, go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, click on the link, read articles by Michael M. Hotep is there. Name of the article, you could Google the article, is called... Um, Senator Jeff Sessions, uh, Dr. Greg Carr interview, impact of Senator Jeff Sessions as attorney general for black people, impact of Senator Jeff Sessions as attorney general for black people. And I list some subsequent articles for you to read also to get more information about this guy. This is an example of how elections have consequences. It's not about personalities. It's about ideologies. It's about policies and who they're going to hire, who, who, who are they going to surround themselves with. And you can get a good idea of that by the policies they push and the people they have around them. Them during their campaign okay now marijuana is still illegal under federal law so these states that have legalized marijuana whether it's for recreational purposes like Colorado or for metal or medical marijuana what people don't seem to understand is marijuana marijuana on a federal level is still illegal hundreds of thousands of people are arrested every year for smoking growing or selling marijuana but over the past eight years, now check this out, okay? Because a lot of people talk about President Obama hasn't done anything. Next week, we're going to get deep into the legacy of President Obama and the Obama administration and things that have benefited African Americans. I'm going to drop stuff on you people I can tell people don't know because they haven't done the research. Over the past eight years, President Obama has commuted the sentences of hundreds of nonviolent uh, drug offenders serving decades-long prison terms. Uh, signing more commutations than any other president in history. He signed more commutations than the last 11 presidents combined. He encouraged a bipartisan effort in Congress to lower harsh mandatory uh, sentences for drug offenders. Okay. He expanded. This is President Obama. Okay. Not Donald Trump. President Obama. He, he uh, encouraged a bipartisan effort. A bipartisan effort in uh, Congress to lower harsh mandatory sentences for drug offenders. He expanded the amount of marijuana grown for medical research. His Justice Department, the DOJ, the Department of Justice, opted to leave alone states that decriminalized and legalized marijuana to varying degrees. Because even though the state legalized it, they're still violating federal law. The old, President Obama said, don't mess with those states that do that. Guess what? Jeff Sessions, as attorney general, because it's illegal on the federal level, they can go pursue those. They can pursue the marijuana dispensaries. They can pursue the people who are using marijuana for medical purposes because it's still illegal. It's a Schedule 1 drug. It's still classified by the DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, as a Schedule 1 drug, and it's still illegal on the federal level. 
his Justice Department, President Obama's Justice Department, opted to leave alone states that decriminalize and legalize marijuana to varying degrees. Under his tenure, eight states and the District of Columbia legalized recreational marijuana. Eight states and the District of Columbia legalized uh, recreational recreational marijuana and nearly in nearly 30 states now allow its use in some form usually like medical marijuana things like this very limited okay nearly 30 states now allow the use of marijuana in some form Senator Jefferson Borgar Sessions the third Donald Trump's nominee to become the next Attorney General oppose these steps at every turn this, I'm trying to tell people, elections have consequences. People who sat at home, let them sat at home and smoke weed. Guess what? You could be in trouble because you could be prosecuted on a federal level. Then when the next election cycle comes around in two years, you find out you can't vote because you have a felony conviction. And the other thing that people have to understand, even if you don't go to prison, if you plead guilty to a felony, because one of the things, because... It got to the point where you had a lot of prison overcrowding. So they would they would get people to plead, right? And you plead a felony conviction, but you don't do any time. You still have a felony on your record. It still comes up when you apply for a job. You still can't vote. Now, in some states, you have a process to go through to get your voting rights back. But you still have a felony on your record, even though you didn't do any time. Uh, time in prison because you pleaded guilty we'll be back from break in just a minute in two minutes you listen to the michael m hotel show right here on the empowerment radio network where now is power okay now eric carruthers on facebook said i'm listening bad signal in this area uh going to another area to listen uh hey how now, now we coming in clear for people we should be coming in clear because Usually when it was a weak signal on my end at the top of the screen, it would say a weak wireless signal, something like that. I haven't gotten anything. I haven't gotten anything saying a weak signal. So it may be something on your end. You may try to reboot your phone, Eric Carruthers or something like that. Okay. Are we coming in? Are we coming in? Can you hear us? And can you see me? Are we coming in? All right. We'll be back from break in just a minute. Hey, you listen to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Knowledge is Power. Uh, well, he was already, well, they, they announced he would uh, get the death penalty. He was already found guilty on 33 counts. They announced that Dylan Roof would get the death penalty. Yeah, yeah, I announced that uh, early, but thanks for uh, letting us know. Um, okay, Jeff Sessions, pleasures to respect Roe versus Wade. Now, another thing in the confirmation hearings today, uh, Jeff Sessions said he would respect the law. Okay, he said he would enforce the law. But what people don't seem to understand is that the Republicans control the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. They can push through whatever laws they want and have a dictator, Donald Trump, sign it in the law. So then Jeff Sessions has to enforce it. So yeah, he'll say. I'll enforce whatever the law is. Yeah. But see, this, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, people really don't understand what's about to happen. Okay. Now, uh, on Twitter, let me see here. I know, um, 
what's his name? Um, President of NAACP, uh, Cornell Williams Brooks. I know he posted this uh, yesterday. Some other people, India, India Morrell posted it, Sexy India. Uh, she posted this also. Some other people posted uh, in the last couple of days on Facebook. You can call your U.S. senators. Call your U.S. senators and tell them your feelings about Jeff Sessions. Okay. Now, you have to call your U.S. senator. Don't call senators that are in another state. Call your U.S. senators. All right. I'm going to give you that number here in just a minute, waiting for this to come up. All right, so back to this article. Now, this hits home. Elections have consequences, and elections are about policies. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources, and politics uh, deals with the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, treaties, their interpretation, and enforcement. So every aspect of your life is governed by politics. So... Check out this article under Jeff Sessions, drug legalization and sentencing reforms will go up in smoke. This is from thinkprogress.org. And some of the things they talk about here, we talked about in the uh, interview I did with um, Dr. Greg Carr. OK. OK, so call 877-959-6082, 877-959-6082. Six zero eight two. Think your senators should oppose Jeff Sessions? Call them now. Eight seven seven nine five nine six zero eight two. And I, I think that that number you can they have a menu or something, but you can get to your respective U.S. senator. This was posted on uh, Cornell William Brooks on his Twitter page. Okay, this was yesterday on his Twitter page because you know the NAACP is protesting against Senator Jeff Sessions, all right? So you have to reach out to your respective U.S. senators and let them know your feelings on this. Okay, so um, uh, so Senator Jeff Sessions, Republican from Alabama, uh, Donald Trump's nominee to become the nation's next attorney general, opposed these steps at every turn, opposed steps to legalize marijuana in various states to, various states to some degree. Nearly 30 states have some form of legalized marijuana, whether it's medical usage, recreational usage, etc. Now, Sessions declared last year, 2016, that, quote, good people don't smoke uh, marijuana, end quote, and worked to block Senate efforts to pass drug sentencing reform. He worked to block the U.S. Senate efforts to pass drug sentencing reform. OK, which he called, quote, uh, he, which he called a, quote, criminal leniency bill, end quote. He's also an advocate of mandatory minimums. And what these do, they give you um, uh, they take away the judge's discretion in sentencing people. And also they give harsh sentences to low level drug offenders as well with the mandatory minimums. Now, Senator Jeff Sessions also accused the Obama administration of, quote, playing a dangerous game to advance his political ideology, end quote, for commuting the sentences of low level drug offenders and called Obama era drug policy reforms a tragic mistake. He called low level uh, uh, 
he was critical of President Obama for commuting commuting the sentences of low level drug offenders and called Obama era drug policy reforms, quote unquote, a tragic mistake. Now, the last time he was up for a federal uh, appointment, Senator Jeff Sessions confirmation, uh, the, the, the last time he was up for a federal appointment. Uh, his confirmation hearing revealed that he once said he thought the Ku Klux Klan were, quote unquote, uh, OK, until he learned that they smoked marijuana. Now, he denies this. He, that came up today. He denied that. He said something to the effect that he deplores the Ku Klux Klan, etc. Now, this and other incidents from his past tanked his beard to be a federal judge. That was in 1986. And if you read my article, I deal with that in the article. Ahead of the senator's two-day confirmation hearing to lead the Justice Department, which begins on Tuesday today, civil rights and drug policy experts are calling attention to his record on marijuana and warning that he could bring back a 1980s-style war on drugs. Now, who was the target of the war on drugs? See, this is what happened... When people get caught up on personalities as opposed to policies and not understand that you have to look at the policies of the people and look at the people who are surrounding them and the people who they would have a tendency of appointing to their cabinet, appointing to these positions. Ahead of Senator Jeff Sessions two day confirmation hearing to lead the Justice Department, which begins on Tuesday. Civil rights and drug policy experts are calling attention to his record on marijuana and warning, warning Will, warning Will Robinson, warning that he could bring back a 1980s-style war on drugs because he's for mandatory minimums, and I also think he's for privatized prisons as well. Um, just a second. I also think he's an advocate of privatized prisons. And with him being nominated by Trump, I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Would be very good news. Um, America's private private prisons are back in America. Okay. So Mother Jones has an article, motherjones.com. They have an article from yesterday, Why Jeff Sessions Will Be Very Good News for Private Prisons. Um, Bloomberg has an article uh, from three hours ago. I got to read this article. America's private prisons are back in business. This is from Bloomberg. Okay. Bloomberg is a highly respected business publication, financial publication. This is from. Uh, I think it was updated three hours ago. It was posted 5 a.m. this morning. America's private prisons are back in business. Um, so check out this article also, Bloomberg.com as well. They talk about Core Civic. Core Civic used to be Corrections Corporation of America, the largest owner-operator of privatized prisons in the country. Okay? So... Uh, a path to profit for privatized prisons, stricter laws, tougher enforcement, more incarceration, longer sentences for private prisons. That's a path to profit in, in Donald Trump, uh, in Trump and his choice for attorney general, Senator Jeff Sessions, 
the prison industry now has important boosters in Washington. The prison industry now has important boosters in Washington. Now, when people were talking about they were against Hillary Clinton, they were for uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, they were for uh, Gary Johnson, uh, they liked Jill Stein, things like this. Who talked about the pick for attorney general? Who talked about the policies that these administrations would push when it came to criminal justice reform because these are the laws that the attorney general has to enforce. Just a few months ago, the outlook wasn't so bright. An August report from the U.S. Department of Justice recommended phasing out prison contractors because of poor performance, insufficient cost savings, and in, in uh, falling inmate population. We talked about that here on this show. That was back in August. The agency found, the DOJ found that private prisons were more dangerous and less hygienic than government facilities, citing higher instances of assault, inappropriate use of solitary confinement, and inadequate medical treatment. Now, how many people have loved ones who are in privatized prisons? Did you know that the Department of Justice in August announced that they were not going to renew contracts with private prisons that house federal prisoners and that equated to 13 privatized prisons when that the day that news came out the stock price of course civic which used to be corrections corporation of america dropped 40 percent that day when that news came out with marijuana legalization and congress's easing of drug sentencing causing the first prison population decline in three decades it looked as if the government's experiment of outsourcing the incarceration business was drawing to an end. And then comes Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions with with marijuana legalization and Congress's easing of drug sentencing, causing the first prison population decline in three decades. It looked as if the government's experiment of outsourcing the incarceration business was drawn to an end. Now, did you know, now you may have missed the show. Uh, when did we talk about this? We talked about it. I talked about it Thursday on Steve Hood's show. I think we talked about it yesterday. Okay. Did you know that the prison, the U.S. prison population under President Obama has dropped by about 1 million? It peaked in 2009, I think it was about 2.5 million. The end of 2015, it dropped to 1.53 million. There's been very little talk about this. The Department of Justice announced this uh, December 29th. December 29th, the Department of Justice announced this. That was a Thursday. There's an article from Newsweek.com. The U.S. prison population exceeded 1.5 million in 2015. Is not still 2.3 million. No, it's not. The evidence is in. And I read the report this morning from the Department of Justice. And when we come back from the break, I'll actually give you the name of the report. It's a one-page report. Okay? And you can read it yourself. The U.S. prison population failed. F-E-L-L. The U.S. prison population failed the most in almost four decades to 1.53 million inmates in 2015 resulting in the lowest rate of incarceration in a generation. 
The Department of Justice said on Thursday, this was December 29th, the drop has been driven by changes in federal and state corrections policies that include drug that, that include drug treatment programs and the sentencing of fewer nonviolent drug offenders to federal prisons. Okay, the department said in its year end report on prison populations. All right. Now, I was reading the report yesterday. Just a minute and we're going to get out of here soon because I'm tired. And I have a lot of work to do. Be sure to visit our website. Now, why isn't this being reported? You won't hear any Republicans talking about this. Why isn't this being reported? The, the Democrats should be talking about this, too. The Democrats should be talking about the read this Newsweek.com, AOL.com, U.S. imprisonment rate falls to lowest since 1997, Justice Department. U.S. imprisonment rate falls to lowest since 1997, Justice Department. December 29, 2016, Jet Magazine, JetMag.com, Jet, Jet U.S. imprisonment rate reaches 20-year low. U.S. imprisonment rate reaches 20-year low. This should be all over mainstream media. I bet you Fox News won't talk about this at all. This should be all over mainstream media. Not just Fox, MSNBC, CNN. This is under the Obama administration. Why isn't this being talked about? All right. So let's go to let's see. Let's look at that. That was the, that was the BJS, BJS.gov, Bureau of Justice Statistics. Uh, okay. So the name of the study. It just came out. They do a year-end study about the previous year. Okay. Um, yeah. So this came out December 2016. This looks at 2000, entire year 2015. Name of this study, prisoners in 2015. Let me see. What's the Okay. U.S. US prison population drops. Um, hold on. I'm going to give you the actual name of this study. Okay. Go to BJS.gov, BJS.gov, Bureau of Justice Statistics. Just search for prisoners in 2015, prisoners in 2015. It'll come up, okay? You know, we're going to post this link here on the thread of the broadcast, okay? Okay, BJS.gov. That's the Bureau of Justice Statistics. So when you want to know about uh, crime statistics and prison, uh, things like that, you can go to BJS.gov, Bureau of Justice Statistics. Okay, uh, we're going to post this link here, and this is uh, uh, the documentation here talking about the fall in the in the uh, U.S. prison population. It's not. Stop saying it's two point three. It's not two point three. It's not two point five. It's down to one point five three million. It's dropped about one million. It's dropped by about one million people under President Obama. Very little talked about about this. Okay. All right. Now, welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Knowledge is Power. We just posted the link here. It says the African History Network. We just posted that link. Okay. How many people knew this? All right. Now, ahead of Senator, uh, um, ahead of Senator Jeff Sessions' two-day confirmation hearing that started today to lead the Justice Department. Civil rights and drug policy experts are calling attention to his record on marijuana and warning that he could bring back a 1980s style war on drugs. OK, now. Um, 
Okay, this article is from thinkprogress.org. Read the rest of it. I did not have time to get through the rest of it. It's called Under Jeff Sessions, Drug Legalization and Sentencing Reforms Will Go Up in Smoke. Under Jeff Sessions, drug legalization and sentencing reforms will go up in smoke. Donald Trump's nominee for attorney general is one of Washington's most virulently anti-marijuana lawmakers. Now, all the black people who voted for Donald Trump, I want you to explain to me why. What policies? And see, you can't, you, we can't be a one policy person. Oh, I like the fact that he's for school vouchers. What about criminal justice reform? Where does he stand on criminal justice reform? Where does he stand on implicit bias in policing? Donald Trump and Governor Mike Pence don't even think implicit bias in policing is a problem. What do you think is going to happen when the first Ferguson, Missouri, or the first Baltimore jumps off? Okay. Um... Let's see. Yeah, but okay, Herbert Venable, he posted some information. Yeah, but overall, what you want to look at is where it was in 2009 when President Obama took the oath of office. It was at about 2.5 million in 2009. We've seen it drop by about 1 million. The, popula the, the prison population dropped. Okay, all right. Now, Sheila self says she can't hear me. But Sharonda Harris said I can hear fine. So let me see. So Sheila, you want to reboot your phone? Let's see. Sheila, self, restart your phone. Okay. All right. Now, the other article that I was citing, and I just pulled this up. This is from Bloomberg.com. This just came out today. America's private prisons are back in business. America's private prisons are back in business. And in the article, it said the, the pathway to profit for private prisons, stricter laws, tougher enforcement, more incarceration, longer sentences for private prisons. That's a path to profit. It, 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 that's a path to profit. Okay, that's a path to profit. Uh, in Trump, his choice for Attorney General Senator Jeff Sessions, the prison industry now has important boosters in uh, Washington. Okay, so read this article from Bloomberg because this is deep. This is why you have to. This is why we have to have economic withdrawal strategies against companies that invest in private prisons, like Wells Fargo Bank. We have to have economic withdrawal strategies because. The private prisons are in bed with people like Donald Trump and the people and people who write the laws. So they'll make they'll they're they're lobbied by the prison industry and especially the private prison industry. They're lobbied by them and groups like ALEC, American Legislative Exchange Council, Research ALEC, A L E C, ALEC, American uh, uh, um, uh, American Legislative Exchange Council, ALEC. And they'll lobby senators and members of the U.S. House of Representatives to advocate for longer, harsher sentences that then increases the populations of the privatized prisons. And many of these privatized prisons are publicly traded companies. They're publicly traded on the stock exchange, whether it's NASDAQ, American Stock Exchange or Dow Jones. OK. Um, and the more prisoners have.
the more the stock price goes up, the more profits they have. Okay, so we really have to understand how this works. This is why I, this is why I said over and over again, and I'll continue to say it, elections have consequences. Midterm elections coming up in two years, we can't sit home. We can't we can't we cannot sit home. Okay? Because you'll be voting for members of the US House of Representatives and US Senate. Okay, and they're the ones who write the laws. Presidents don't write laws. Congress writes laws. They pass laws and put it on the president's desk to sign it. All right. So we'll talk some more about Jeff Sessions tomorrow. I want to get to this uh, other article. And we have to get out of here. Um, it's a defamation case against um, Baltimore State's attorney, Marilyn Mosby. Defamation case against Marilyn Mosby. And let me grab that uh oh let me grab that article just a second here. Where'd I put it? I know I printed it up. Alright, just a minute here. Give me a minute. I have all these articles floating around. Uh you listen to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network, where knowledge is power. I need to find what what I did with that article. Hold on. I have a bunch of articles here on Jeff Sessions. Oh, we need to talk about Kentucky also. Gotta tell you about Kentucky. Let's let's deal with Marilyn Mosby first. We'll get we'll deal with Marilyn Mosby before the break. Okay, so we remember the Freddie Gray case, six officers involved. Three officers went to trial, if I remember correctly. Three officers went to trial. Uh one was um, you know, they were not guilties, and one was a hung jury, I think, something like that. So they dropped charges against all officers involved, right? Well, federal district judge ruled last Friday, January 6th, that key parts of a defamation and malicious prosecution lawsuit filed against Baltimore State's attorney Marilyn Mosby can go forward. U.S. District Judge Marvin J. Garbus ruled that the lawsuit brought by five of the six Baltimore uh, police officers charged in the death of Freddie Gray can move forward against Marilyn Mosby and Assistant Sheriff Samuel Coggin. Um, the, this was reported by the Baltimore Sun. Now, the complaint also accuses the state's attorney of invasion of privacy. Okay, invasion of privacy. Now, lawyers for Baltimore State's attorney Marilyn Mosby have contended that she has prosecuted, that she has prosecutorial immunity, prosecutorial immunity from her actions as Baltimore State's attorney. But Judge Garbus pointed out that uh, Mosby's office had conducted an independent investigation into Freddie Gray's death. Now, um, Judge, uh, Judge, Garbus, uh, Judge Garbus in his decision wrote, quote, plaintiff's malicious prosecution claims uh, relate to her actions when functioning as an investigator and not as a prosecutor, end quote. Plaintiff's malicious prosecution claims relate to her actions when functioning as an investigator, not as a prosecutor. Now, 25-year-old Freddie Gray died as a result of severe spinal cord injuries he sustained during a quote-unquote rough ride in the back of a police van in April 2015. Officers failed to secure uh, uh, Freddie Gray, who was handcuffed 
with a, a they, uh, he was handcuffed, but they failed to secure him with a seatbelt as he was transported to jail. Now, a week later, Baltimore State's attorney Marilyn Mosby filed criminal charges against the six officers involved in his death. Officer William Porter, Officer uh, Garrett uh, Miller, Sergeant Alicia White, Officer Caesar Goodson, Officer Edward Nero, and Lieutenant Brian Rice. Okay, uh, the charges uh, stated that the arresting officers had no reason to detain Freddie Gray in the first place, while the others failed to strap Gray in with a seatbelt and provided him uh, and provide him with medical attention for his injuries. Okay, now. Um, okay, so you can check out the rest of this article here uh, now. Baltimore's WBAL TV, TV reported that a conference call, that a conference would be scheduled for future proceedings in the case. David Ellen, an attorney representing um, um, one of the who's this, uh, representing Rice, uh, said Judge Garbage ruling Friday was the green light for um, officers. Uh, attorneys to begin the discovery stage, which includes deposing Mosby and other individuals uh, tied to the investigation. Quote, we're looking forward to the depositions and learning about what really happened. End quote. Ellen's uh, uh, attorney, Ellen, said, uh, we think the discovery process will really allow us to flesh out many things. The ramifications of this case are huge and nationwide. Okay, I haven't heard this happening too much before where the prosecutor gets sued. This uh, does not sound good to me at all. I think in Baltimore you need some real economic boycotts behind this. All right, we're coming up on a break. When we come back from the break, uh, we're going to talk about, we got to talk about Kentucky. Then we have to get out of here. We have to do this date in African American history. Then we have to get out of here. We have to talk about Kentucky because as I talk about uh, elections have consequences and you have a lot of white people that keep voting against their own interests and putting Republicans in office and they just got screwed in Kentucky. We're going to talk about this. You listen to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network where knowledge is power. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right. Um, okay. Hotel family, this is Michael M. Hotel, host of the African History Network show on 9:10 a.m. The Superstation. We just got finished doing my uh, January 8th show, 2017, the first show of the year. I'm on Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9:10 a.m. The Superstation uh, in Detroit. I'm also on the uh, Michael M. Hotel show on the Apartment Radio Standard Time as well. Hey, I want to let you know coming up Saturday, January 14th, 2017, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. At the Jungle Juice Bar, located at 14929 Charlevoix Street in uh, Gross Prank Park, Michigan, I'm doing a double presentation. Uh, the first presentation will be uh, The Distortion of the Legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The Revolutionary will not be televised. The Revolutionary will not be televised. Uh, we know Dr. King Day is coming up Monday, January 16th, so this is a presentation uh, dealing with the revolutionary Dr. King, the Dr. King that talked about uh, economic empowerment for African Americans, the Dr. King who was against the uh, war in Vietnam, the Dr. King who supported the Black Power movement as well. Okay, and we and uh, we were all familiar with the song "The Revolution Will Not Be Televised" by Gil Scott Heron. This deals with the revolutionary will not be televised because the revolutionary Dr. King is not shown to us on the television. 
uh, every Dr. King day when they show us the last two minutes of the I Have a Dream speech or the last two minutes of I've Been to the Mountaintop. And then my second presentation will be Malcolm X 50 years later, why is he still relevant? Malcolm X 50 years later, why is, why is he still relevant? We know the anniversary of Malcolm's assassination is coming up February 21st, uh, you know, February 21st also, okay? So, Jungle Juice Bar, Saturday, January 14th, 2017, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Free event, donations accepted. Uh, 14929 Charlevoix Street, Grosse Point Park, Michigan, right across the street from Detroit. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, for more information, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Also, um, call us, 313-462-0003, 313-462-0003. Uh, as well, if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, email me at info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Remember, right now is correct wrong behavior. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. All right, so we'll see you this Saturday. Jungle Juice Bar, African-American-owned establishment, Gross Point Park, Michigan, right across the street from Detroit. Okay, so on Facebook, let's see. Charles Antoine Jr. said, can we stop using these platforms to spread our knowledge? We need our own. Well, we have other platforms. We're going to talk about that. Black Spot is one of them. BlackPlanet.com is one of them. Somebody posted MoreUs.com. So people are using them. We can we can be on more than one platform at a time. I have 900,000 followers here on this platform on Facebook. I have 900,000 followers here. So we need to do both. It's not an either or. Most people don't have nearly as many followers as I have. Okay. I have 940,000 followers here. Okay, so I'd be damned if I this up. No. No, we need we, we need to do both. It's not an either or. Black Planet is still around. People don't even talk about BlackPlanet.com. Black Planet, Black Planet is still around. It hasn't gone anywhere. Okay, so we need our own platforms that we control and utilize this as well. It's, it's, it's better when you have, it's better when you can do both, not just either or. Because you can use this platform to get the information out to people about Black Spot, Black Spot, and the other ones. We should use Twitter, Instagram, all, all of that. Okay, so um, more us isn't on Android yet. Yep, and, and and those other ones, none of them are on the level. Even Black Planet has been around longer than any of them. Black Planet is nowhere near on the level of of Facebook. The capability. Being able to live stream, number on there, things like this. So it's not an either or. You can build up one while you still use another one. It's not a, it's not an either or. It's both of them. Now, Marquis Jones said, "What are we gonna? When are we gonna start passing laws against people?" Who, he said, "What are we gonna do when they start passing laws against people who start boycotts?" I heard they want to label them as terrorist groups. Uh, well, one thing we'll deal with it when we come. Uh, well, first of all, we need to. Uh, head that off what I mean by that is contact your senators and members of the House of Representatives and let them know how you feel about that when they get inundated with calls they know to back off certain things the reason why is because they know these are voters these are people paying attention and and the worst thing that can happen to them next to being indicted and being convicted and going to prison is losing their scent their seat in the Senate or the House of Representatives. When you look at the, when you look at the Ethics Commission and the Republicans were going to like revise things in the Ethics Commission, this was I think it was earlier this week or late last week. 
and they were inundated with phone calls. It wasn't a tweet from Donald Trump that stopped them. They were inundated with phone calls. These senators and, and members of the House of Representatives were inundated with phone calls. And that's what caused them to back off because they saw that peep, they saw that their, their constituents were watching. And they were reminded that they work for these people. And these people can vote them out of office the next time. All, these people could also launch economic boycotts against some of the corporations who have aligned themselves with these politicians as well. And make things very hard for them. So they backed off. Okay. Um, so they're already attacking the First Amendment. Oh, yeah, they're attacking the First Amendment. Trump will continue to try to attack the First Amendment. He'll continue to do that. I don't think Trump has read the First Amendment. He wants to attack the media. He wants to attack the press, things like that. Yeah, he, he'll continue to attack them. Okay. Um, Rakim, who's this? Rakim Mott Little said, teach brother. Tabitha said, uh, okay, she's talking to Sheila. All right. So let's go to this story here from thinkprogress.org. This is about Kentucky. All right. So last year, Republican Matt Bevin won the governorship of Kentucky. Okay, so we know elections took place November 8th, right? Wasn't just president, you had governorships, things like this, okay? So, Matt Bevin wins the, wins the governorship. He's a Republican. He took over from a Democrat named Steve Bashir. Okay, and then in, um, so maybe that happened early in the year, that particular election. But in November, Republicans took full control of the state. Uh, legislature after they gained their first majority in Kentucky's state house in almost 100 years, almost a century. And the very first thing, uh, the very first things the Republican majority did with this power this past weekend were to pass so-called right to work laws. Okay. The right to work law, which will likely weaken unions finances and repeal a prevailing wage law that ensures government contractors pay decently. Now, we have right to work here in Michigan. Who was assigned in the law by? Republican governor, Governor Snyder. Who passed this? Who wrote the law and passed it? Republicans in the State House of Representatives and the State Senate. Who helped finance this? Americans for Prosperity. Who owns Americans for Prosperity? The Koch brothers. Now, Kentucky was the last of the southern states that had not gone uh, the way of uh, the right to work laws. But after Governor Bevin signed the law, signed the bill on this past Saturday, it now joins the rest, becoming the 27th state in the country to pass right to work laws. So this is what happens when people keep putting Republicans in state legislatures. They pass laws that are detrimental to unions. They pass laws that are detrimental to some of the people who put them in office, mainly a lot of white people. They vote against their own interests. Now, right to work laws create what critics call a free rider program, F-R-E-E, -E, a, free, a free rider problem, I should say, F-R-E-E, -E, free rider problem. Normally, all workers in a unionized workplace must pay dues to the union, uh, given uh, that it's bargaining on their behalf. 
Okay, but what right to work laws do is allow people to opt out of those dues, but still take all the still take full advantage of all the privileges and the contracts that the union negotiated for them. But they don't have to financially contribute to it. So what this does is this weakens unions financially, who oftentimes help to finance campaigns of Democratic candidates on a national level. Okay? This is, these are laws crafted by Republicans to weaken the unions, number one, which benefits corporations, benefits the Koch brothers, and number two, it attacks uh, unions financially, and that's less money that unions can use to help donate to Democratic campaigns. And people keep falling for this. So, right to work laws allow people to opt out of dues even though they're still being represented, which means represented by the unions, which represented by the unions, which means they can benefit from union negotiations over wages and working conditions, but do not have to give any money to support these efforts. Now, the, dy the dynamic can hollow out unions finances since they still have to do the same work, but potentially with less money. Those in non right to work states are more than twice as likely to be in a union or protected by a union contract. Now, it was Donald Trump who said when the issue came up about a bailout for General Motors and Chrysler. Donald Trump said, don't bail them out. He said, let them go bankrupt. And he said, let them relocate their auto plants to states that don't have unions so they can lower the wages they pay the workers. And then the workers would be forced to take whatever they're offered. This is what Trump said. And you had all these people, a lot of them white people, most of them white people, who voted for him, who thought he was going to fight for the little guy. Show me where he has a record of fighting for the little guy. There was just an article of how for his Washington, D.C. hotel, he still owes contractors $5 million for the hotel. Where's this record of him fighting for the little guy? Now, Kentucky, uh, let's see, uh, by weakening union power, research has found that right to work laws have negative impacts on all workers. These laws end up reducing wages, pay is about 3% lower in right, to, in right to work states compared to those without such laws, which comes, to, uh, comes out to be about $1,500 less a year for a typical worker. They also lower the likelihood of receiving employer benefits like health insurance or a pension, uh, pension plan. Now, Kentucky's new law also bans public employees from going on strike, a key labor right enjoyed by all other workers. Kentucky's new law also bans public employees from going on strike, and they will go on strike to, to, to negotiate better wages, but you're attacking unions, and right-to-work laws lower the wages that people make, so now you're making it illegal for them to go on strike to fight for higher wages. The legislature also passed a rollback on the state's prevailing wage law, prevailing wage law this weekend, and Governor Bevin said he will sign it. 
These laws are intended to keep government contractors, uh, keep keep government contractors on from undercutting wages to offer cheaper bids. A lack of prevailing wage laws can lead to a race to the bottom as contractors seek to underbid each other, undercut each other. I've bid on government contracts before. And I, I, held, I, I was managing a company. We had a um, we were a general contractor renovating a uh, nonprofit building here in the city of Detroit. And we had to pay prevailing wage. And I'm looking at the prevailing wage we're paying contractors and carpenters and plumbers, things like that. I said, damn, I'm doing the wrong job. They're making more money than me. But this law here removes the prevailing wage from contractors, carpenters, and all different types of things, different skilled trades. It removes that. So then it becomes a race to the bottom. So you don't have to meet. So government, government contractors who are bidding on jobs don't have to meet prevailing wage so you can lower how much you're paying the contractors and you're forcing people to take whatever they want. These people just got screwed. All these people that voted for these Republicans for the state legislature and voted for this Republican governor in Kentucky, you just got screwed. A, a lack of prevailing wage laws can lead to a race to the bottom as contractors seek to underbid each other and while proponents say they that getting rid of the laws keeps government costs low. Research has not found that to be the case. They just got screwed in Kentucky. All right. When we come back from break, we'll deal with this date in African-American history. We have to get out of here. Hey, be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have about 100 DVD titles there. All my lectures are there. I have 30 of my DVD lectures there. We have the Hidden Colors documentaries. And you know, let's see here. Um, I'm going to show you some of the DVD present, some of the lectures here, just in here. Uh, okay, we'll be back in just a minute. Stand by. We'll get to some of your comments also. Stand by. Family, this is Mike Limhotep, host of the African History Network show on 910 AM, the Superstation. We just got finished doing my uh, January 8th show, 2017, the first show of the year. I'm on Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 910 AM, the Superstation uh, in Detroit. I'm also on the uh, Michael Limhotep show on the Apartment Radio Network, Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as well. Hey, I want to let you know, coming up Saturday, January 14th, 2017, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., at the Jungle Juice Bar, located at 149-249 Charlevoix Street in uh, Gross Prank Park, Michigan. I'm doing a double presentation. Uh, the first presentation will be uh, The Distortion of the Legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The Revolutionary will not be televised. The Revolutionary will not be televised. Uh, we know Dr. King Day is coming up Monday, January 16th. So this is a presentation. Uh, dealing with the revolutionary Dr. King, the Dr. King that talked about uh, economic empowerment for African Americans, the Dr. King who was against the uh, war in Vietnam, the Dr. King who supported the Black Power movement as well. Okay, and we and uh, we were all familiar with the song "The Revolution Will Not Be Televised" by Gil Scott Heron. This deals with the revolutionary will not be televised because the revolutionary Dr. King is not shown to us on the television. 
uh, every Dr. King day when they show us the last two minutes of the I Have a Dream speech or the last two minutes of I've been to the mountaintop. And then my second presentation will be Malcolm X 50 years later, why is he still relevant? Malcolm X 50 years later, why is, why is he still relevant? We know the anniversary of Malcolm's assassination is coming up February 21st, uh, you know, February 21st also, okay? So, Jungle Juice Bar, Saturday, January 14th, 2017, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Free event, donations accepted, uh, 14929 Charlevoix Street, Bruce Point Park, Michigan, right across the street from Detroit. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, for more information, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Also, um, call us, 313-462-0003, 313-462-0003. Uh, as well, if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, email me at info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Remember, right now is correct wrong behavior. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. Welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Now is His Power. And hey, remember that uh, this is January, it's the beginning of the year. You want to start the year off right. Um, and you want to start the year off right by planning for tomorrow. Uh, and that includes leaving, uh, that includes having an insurance policy so you can pass on uh, wealth and assets to your loved ones. Okay. Uh, give. Yolanda Spivey a call at the Whitney Insurance Agency at 201-880-7179, 201-880-7179. Also visit their website, mwhitney.com, mwhitney.com, and theblackinsurancenetwork.com, theblackinsurancenetwork.com. In invest in the future of your family today with, uh, invest in the future of your family with life insurance today. And everybody's familiar with Master P. No limit records. Well, Master P created a $250 million empire because his father, his grandfather left him $10,000 uh, from an insurance policy. Okay. His grandfather died. He, he was smart enough to have life insurance, left him $10,000. He turned $10,000 into a $250 million empire. Okay. Welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network. And now power. All right, so my latest presentation is available, two latest presentations available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice and the History of Christmas. Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice and the History of Christmas. Also, my presentation dealing with um, uh, rebellions uh, throughout our history. I deal with the uh, U.S., Haiti, Jamaica, Cuba, Mexico, Iran. It's called In Glock We Trust. In Glock We Trust, the ballot and the bullet. How African people fought back. Uh, against oppression with uh, armed resistance, voting rights, and economic boycotts. We have um, a presentation I did uh, back in 2014, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We have the Black Friday documentaries back in stock, Black Friday, what legacy will you leave? I'm in both of these documentaries, Black Friday. They deal with um, strategies to recycle our $1.3 trillion economy, also, strategies to uh, leave uh, intergenerational wealth for our children. We got a presentation I did with Professor Kaba Kamene, Booker T. Coleman, Hidden Colors, Dr. Ben Carson, The Pyramids of Giza and the African Origins of Star Wars, Dr. Ben Carson, The Pyramids of Giza and the African Origins of Star Wars. We also deal with the need to take control of black children's education. We got this one here I did in November, November 5th, 2016. You all get the presentation I did at Temple University. Uh, the history of the Nat Turner Rebellion of 1831, the rebirth of a nation. The history of the Nat Turner Rebellion of 1831, the rebirth of a nation. We've got the Urban Kryptonite documentaries and Kryptonite 
uh, African Roots Foreign Diseases this is a four hour documentary deals with holistic health for African Americans deals with how a lot of the diseases we have historically we didn't have those diseases what we can do about it teaches a lot about holistic health you have Dr. Leila Africa in here Dahuti Mad Ra Cochis Taraksa Dr. B. Sirius Dr. Ali Muhammad a lot of people in here for the documentaries each one of the documentaries you purchase like Black Friday Elementary Genocide Hidden Colors you get one of my DVD presentations free we have Hidden Colors 4 and the Hidden Colors documentaries is the latest one um, Hidden Colors 4 the religion of white supremacy you got a lot of people in here Dr. Boyce Watkins you got uh, uh, Professor Kaba Kamene, uh Tony Browder Professor James Small a lot of people in this one then we have the elementary genocide documentaries, elementary genocide one and two, dealing with the uh, school to prison pipeline, prison industrial complex uh, from director Raheem Shabazz. Elementary genocide three is coming out sometime this year, first or second quarter this year. I'm in, ele ele I'm in elementary genocide part three. OK, this date in African-American history, January 10th, 1848, George Boyer Vashon, the first African-American to receive a bachelor's degree from Oberlin College became the first um, African-American lawyer in the state of New York, this date in 1848. This date in 1864, Dr. George Washington Carver, scientist and discoverer of over 300 products from the peanut and sweet potatoes, is believed to have been born on this date in 1864, because they didn't have birth certificates back then. On this date in 1888, A.B. Blackburn, A.B., A, initials A.B. Blackburn, he was an inventor, he patented the railway signal the railway signal uh patent number three seven six three six two three seven six three six two this date in 1925 max roach max roach musician uh he was born this date 1925 now max roach's illustrious career as a drummer included collaborations with such artists as uh charlie yardbird parker Thelonious monk and dizzy gillespie okay and, you, and if you watch the Cosby show, you hear uh, Cliff Huxtable talking about all these guys. Charlie Yardbird Parker. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, this is 1961. Uh, Charlie Ann Alberta Hunter Galt and Hamilton E. Holmes integrated um, uh, 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 Charlene, uh, Char Charlene, Alberta Hunter Galt and Hamilton E. H Hamilton e. Holmes integrated Georgia University. On this date in 1961, after graduation, uh, Hunter Galt became a highly regarded journalist correspondent with PBS, Public Broadcasting System, and Hamilton E. Holmes became an orthopedic surgeon. This date in 1966, Julian Bond, Julian Bond was denied a seat in the lower house of the Georgia legislature because of his opposition to the Vietnam War. Uh, Julian Bond, however, seated uh, one year later to uh, t uh, to date after national pressure and legal decisions in his favor. This date in 1990, 46 years, a 46 year old Houston, Texas native, uh, Marcellite J. Harris was named Brigadier General uh, in the U.S. Uh, Air Force on this date in 1990. Now, uh, Marcellite J. Harris was the first African-American female general of the United States Air Force. You can read more facts about this date in African history and African American history at Yanoba.com, Y-E-N-O-B-A, Yanoba.com. Okay. All right. Uh, look, we got to get out of here. 
Thanks for tuning in today. A podcast of the show will be available later this evening. All podcasts are at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Click on the link on the homepage. Listen to podcast of the Michael M. Hotep Show. Um, they're also on iTunes. Our page on iTunes is the African History Network Show. I think it is on iTunes. And uh, be sure to visit our website. You can order our DVDs also. You can donate to the African History Network if you like. If you like the information we share, you want to support us, help us stay on the air. Hey, remember on the Michael M. Hotep Show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right knowledge corrects wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll talk to you uh, tomorrow. All right, peace. I don't, be, I don't be knowing what to say to y'all. I don't, you know. Got the pear trees faking like a dogwood. The thunderstorms in the springtime, it's all good. And rappers killing it in the club, but can we bright out? Not black lives, just had to die to get a flag. And my rap is the map of Southside. Was just to sell my 50 years march in Alabama. Was just to Columbus, Ohio, teaching little kids. South by South.